What's up, Ragazzi? The uh, lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi are restored as I am back to host Serie A Sit Down. I'm Frank Cravello, and you're listening to World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. Uh, joining me as always, co-host and uh, NWO super honk, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Too sweet. Uh, yes, I am back. Uh, yeah, it's first time we've been on together in like a month, it seems like, huh? It does, doesn't it? I mean, you, you, the NWO stuff, okay, I I used to love professional wrestling, and I think I just, my interest in wrestling pretty much ended after that NWO angle because, in my opinion, that was the greatest, you know, storyline anybody could have ever come up with in wrestling, and you just, it's, you, you've seen the best that a product could possibly do. And you're just, you're just done. So, you know, after that point, so, uh, you know, once that was over with, it was just, you know, you're getting all, all kinds of other different storylines. It just was hard to, hard to watch wrestling anymore after that, at least in my opinion. So Yeah, yeah, same thing with me. Like, shortly, shortly thereafter, I stopped watching. Uh, but now they've got some good stuff going on in AEW. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there, Frank. <laughs> well, and then it was kind of funny. I was actually thinking about your NWO thing and wrestling theme music and all that other stuff. And I thought I saw, and Rocco, and, you know, Rocco was like – Juventus, I think we're trying to market to try to make everybody guess like what their music was going to be after they scored a goal at home or something like that. Did you happen to catch that? I did not. Like there, there was a poll going around on Twitter. I know that Rocco retweeted it and I was so close. So I'll say it on my podcast. Um, <laughs> so close to saying Eddie Guerrero's theme music from when he was with the WWE, except <laughs> not all the Latino heat stuff. Just we lie, we cheat, we steal on a continuous loop. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, that, that would have been that would have been ideal. So um, here they come now. <laughs> so Merry Merry Christmas, Juve fans. You got you got enough to be happy about. Um, anyway, uh, so Richard and I did survive. Uh, uh, happy Milan getting mauled by Atalanta Day. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but we have a guest with us as well. Uh, has earned his. I want to say, is this his fourth cap, Richard, or is his third? Ooh, third or fourth? I'm, I've lost count. Maybe he can tell us. He's a uh, he is a Roma fan, Calcio enthusiast, cricket fan. Uh, he joins us here, and finally, I'm going to get to do a podcast with him. Uh, Scott Monroe, ciao, Scott. Viva la raza. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. You okay? No, nah, can't complain. Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, kids are getting excited, so um, I only have about three days to you know, warn them about Christmas being canceled so that they can behave. And then after that, I got to think of something else. So, <laughs> so how about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I've got two days left at, or day and a half left at work. I'm in tomorrow. Then we're in Tuesday morning till lunch till one o'clock. And then I said to Richard off pod, I'm not back at work till the 30th. So, um, just chilling. Um, I've got football on boxing day. Um, yeah, so looking forward to that. The, sorry about the voice being a bit hoarse. I went to a game yesterday and I was in the away, and so I was doing a lot of screaming and a lot of singing, and uh, the voice is taking a hit today. 
Yeah, no worries. We've all been, we've all been there. Uh, follow some of your so- social media posts. Bit of a bratwurst enthusiast you are. Oh, I love. Yeah, there's German markets in Swindon, so um, I hope it's into the next couple of days. Yeah, I had to take the opportunity to have a couple of bratwursts. Yeah, uh, you'd come to Milwaukee. There's a, there's a lot of that here. So um, naturally, because I think that it, there's a big German settlement in Milwaukee, and uh, you've got. You know, kind of the the uh, the, the Hofbrau, which is kind of, you know, the spin of the one in Munich. Uh, you've got a couple of other great German restaurants and things like that. And you've got, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, sausage making factories here. Usinger's being the most popular uh, here in Milwaukee. But, yeah, so I kind of, you know, understand it. Go out for a good brat myself once in a while. So, um, uh, so yeah, so here you there. Just kind of. Kind of caught my attention. A good brat and a beer is uh, is a a Wisconsin diet staple. Um, <laughs> not a good one, but it's it is one. I might get that on the uh, the bucket list for twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Well, look me up when you do. Um, so, gentlemen, we have a super copa to talk about. We have eight games uh, to talk about that took place in Serie uh, and we have some awards to hand out because uh, Serie A is going to go on a bit of a siesta. So find time to name our crap of the cracker, crap on a cracker midseason team and Squadra Finora midseason team. So uh, let's just jump right into it and we'll start by talking about that Supercopa final that took place today between Juventus and Lazio. It ended 3 1. Uh, to Lazio, scoring open with Luis Alberto in the 16th minute from Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Two guys we're probably going to talk a lot about here today. Uh, Paulo Dybala equalized in the 45th to make it 1-1. Uh, Rodrigo, Rodrigo Bentancourt would commit a foul, get a yellow card in the 48th minute. Um, noteworthy for uh, an event that happened a little bit later on. Uh, it would be uh, Lazio lifer Senad Lulic uh, go- pulling Lazio ahead 2-1 in the 73rd minute on assist by Marco Parolo. And uh, it would be uh, that man Bentoncourt committing a second bookable offense in the 93rd minute being sent off. Danilo Cataldi uh, getting a third and icing this for Lazio in the 94th minute. Scott, you saw this game. Um, I want to bring your attention to the to an incident that happened before all of this, the, uh, uh, the challenge involving blaze Matuidi getting a yellow card, a yes. lot of people clamoring that that should have been red, but this is Serie A and this is FIGC and all of the wonder that comes with it. You can't make Juve <laughs> play on 10 men for 80 minutes. That's just, that's in the, that's, that, that's in the bylaws. So that's why it wasn't a red, right? Um, I always say if the roles were reversed, what would you think would have happened? Um, right. Red card, red card, and a three-match ban. And that's it. Yeah, that was that was an ugly late challenge. Um, lucky Luis Alberto didn't injure himself because um, he looked in agony. And watching the slow mo replay as um, BT Sport had the game over here, it it was very very nasty, and it could have been. A season-ending injury, but luckily for Luis Alberto, he didn't get injured because he played a very pivotal part in the game for Lazio. Yep, indeed. And uh, <laughs> uh, Richard, a lot of the possession from Juventus in this game. I mean, you take a look at the teams that were picked here, and I mean, Sadi went for this. I mean, he had Paulo Dybala, Gonzalo Higuain, Cristiano Ronaldo in the attack. Um, 
he he had Benton Corpianich, Matt Tweedy in his midfield. I mean, uh, Demidel partnered Bonucci in defense. So, I mean, he went for it, and this was a team that was built to possess and possess. They did 64% of the possession, but Lazio on the counter, very, <laughs> very dangerous, really causing some problems and uh, big, big part of what was going on here, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, and it was. It took a little page out of uh, Allegri's playbook, right, where you give the other team the possession and then hit them on the counter and make them pay for it. Um, yeah, Juventus were, certainly had their A squad uh, in there. If that's not their best lineup, it's it's probably right up there. Uh, they certainly came to win it, and uh, Lazio, as they had earlier in the season, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, they gave it to Juve, uh, made them made them gave them a taste of their own medicine, and uh, again walked away with a three one victory, as they did a couple weeks ago. Um, Scott, we are seeing a Lazio here that it, 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 there's, there's almost this correlation now. I mean, we talked about the opening goal, uh, with Sergey from, uh, I mean, sorry, Luis Alberto from Sergey. Talk about this a little bit because these two guys, it seems like as their form goes, it just correlates with how Lazio have done. It's no secret that Lazio stunk in the league last season, slumped down to eighth, rallied to win the Copa, um, and which which landed them in this Supercopa game. But is it amazing to you the correlation between Luis Alberto and Sergei's form and Lazio's success? Yes, um, these two are tremendous, tremendous footballers, and they've got this telepathic um, language with each other where um, one can drop off and one can go. So you, you might see Sergei, or SMS as I, I'll call him, um, drop deep and Luis Alberto be a bit more creative. And as you can see, that has happened a lot more this season. Um, I did think under Inzaghi a couple of seasons ago, these two played behind the striker and they really hit form. Um, but last season, as you said, they stunk up the joint and struggled quite a lot. But this season, they've just hit it off in the last month, month and a half, and they've been unplayable. And Luis Alberto has been one of the best players in Serie A for a good couple of months, and it's it's good to see, and, it, and it's shown in this game as well. For sure. Um, Richard, uh, is this an issue? I mean, the first half of the game here, uh, you know, balance on the chances. It was, I mean, it was one, one at halftime. Uh, I mean, Juve, 63% possession, um, even with Lazio getting seven chances on goal. This is a Juve team that's used to doing something with that possession and scoring, especially in uh, Maurizio Sarri managed teams. Um, you know, where did it, where did Juve have their issues here that, uh, that they didn't seize control of this? What was, uh, what stood out to you? It seems like the in the, in the final th- in the final third they were just either trying to be too cute or, or overthinking it really. Um, uh, yeah, they, they had the, the, a, a greater amount of the possession as you said, sixty three percent to thirty seven. But um, it just seems like when they got to that final third, they either tried to be too cute with it or just overthought it. Um, and you know, in situations like that, you really want to be simple as possible um, and get some shots off on goal. And like you said, Lazio didn't have much possession, but they had plenty of shots, right? And you know, Juve just got a they, they overthought it is what basically it is. And um, really to get that offense click and just get, get back to simple terms. And once they're, once they're there, um, sorry, system will take over and goals will come in bunches. I mean, you can just look at its previous teams at Chelsea and Napoli and, and Empoli and so on and so forth. But um, that's, that's the main takeaway from that. Yeah, I you know definitely agree. 
it, it, it makes you think, uh, uh, Scott here, as far as Juventus is concerned at this point, uh, you know, they, uh, is 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 Lazio becoming a bogey team for them? Because now, you know, at the Olimpico 3-1 and now in the Supercopa 3-1, and it seems like Lazio have control now. They were the team that uh, also can be credited a couple of seasons ago with breaking uh, Juventus's extensive uh, uh, home winning run. It almost feels like Simone Inzaghi and, and Lazio have become the new bogey team for Juventus. Yeah, um, I was actually in Rome. Um, I was actually in in Rome, Stadio Olimpico, about to watch Roma Napoli when uh, a friend of mine looked at that score, and we just both looked at each other and went, "Lazio have just beaten Juve and just broke their broke their streak, broke their record." I think Chiro Mobley scored a late, late, late goal um, after Dybala scored a, a, an equaliser. Yeah, it look, seems that um, it's a bogey, bogey side, and it seems that Simone Inzaghi's got Mirko Sarri's number. That's two wins, two three-one wins, and he's both in both games. He's tactically outclassed him and schooled him where. Lazio have been the better team in both games. So, yeah, he's he's got his number. And maybe later on in the season, he could have his number again. Indeed. Um, Richard, if I would have told you Chiro Immobile doesn't score, plays 82 minutes, gets subbed out, um, would you believe me if I told you? And, and you didn't know about this result. Would you believe me if I told you Lazio won? If this was a non-league game, yes, uh, especially if it was a Europa League game. But uh, <laughs> no, if it, you know, if this was a league game and you told me that, I would not believe you. Um, and that's a, that's a credit to the Lazio team for um, a having depth, but also you know sticking to their plan and getting to work because you have players uh, who normally don't score during the game uh, showed up in this one and scored big goals. And obviously, um, having a guy you know like Caicedo on, on the bench who, who contributes so much, a super sub if you will for them. Um, he didn't score in this one, but uh, yeah, it just—it just—it's a credit to Inzaghi the way he's got this team trained up. That your big dog does not score in a big game, and you still win handily. Uh, that's all credit's got to go to Inzaghi for that. Yep, with you there for sure. I mean, just another win for Lazio against Juventus. Another uh, Simone Inzaghi masterclass. Uh, Old enough to remember when uh, Simone Inzaghi was considered for the Juve job when it opened up after Allegri left. So, mm-hmm. as we were, so <laughs> I think uh, you never know. I mean, uh, this could be a uh, d- d- Jerry Mancini's plugging his ears right now, but if you can't beat him, buy him kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I just I've said I've maintained it all along. I just don't see Simone Inzaghi coaching anywhere except Lazio. He's just tied to that club uh, forever. So. Um, but congratulations to Lazio and all the Lazio supporters, uh, on, on a, on another trophy, uh, another win, um, Juventus beaten again. Uh, you know, Scott, when you take a look at when they're getting into the games like these with Lazio, you know, they're conceding goals. Just one more on, this is one more on Juventus, but they're controlling possessions and they're, and they're generating their chances. I mean, is it? Fair to say goals are missing, or is there something else with this Juve team that maybe Lazio has just found them out? Uh, uh, you know, we talk about how Lazio has just seemed to own Juve, but now let's ask on the uh, Juventus side, why 
why so many struggles now uh, against Lazio, especially with uh, some of the possession and some of the chances that they carved out in this game. Yeah, I think it's the way they set up. Um, Lazio did a job of like squeezing quite high up and defending uh, yeah. like, very tight to the tight to the attackers. Like Higuain hardly got a kick. Luis Felipe um, and like Acerbi had him in his back pocket all game. There was they were making brilliant challenges on Dybala and Ronaldo. They just not just didn't give them the attackers and the midfield and went in attack any chance to breathe and any chance to like really have a, a bit of a strike on Strakosha. And I think that's what um, Inzaghi has brought to Lazio. He, he brings like um, a bit of stability into that, to that back three. I think days are the gone when you've got Wallace as, as your centre-half and causing a bit of chaos for them. Um, and they've got some really good centre-backs and like Radu is a seasoned pro. Um, Ramos, uh, Luis Felipe has probably been their defender of the season with a Cherby and they, them three seem to be working well with the two wing-backs. They seem to like squeeze the event. It's quite, quite high up and cause the mistakes and it's worked again. Yep. So, <clears throat> uh, is back to the drawing board trying to figure out how to beat Lazio. Uh, they'll get another shot at them later on this season at the J. Um, but in the meantime, Lazio, Supercopa winners. Again, congratulations to them. Uh, your thoughts on how the Supercopa went down. Uh, go to at Serie sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, let's get into this match week 17 slate. And the uh, fun began on Friday. Well, it was fun for everybody except for uh, Fiorentina supporters and, uh, you know, ultimately Vincenzo Montella. Uh, it was uh, Fiorentina 1, Roma 4, Aiden Dzeko in the 19th minute from Nicolo Zaniolo. And then, um, you know, I said this on Twitter. If you give Alexander Kolarov a free kick from where that free kick was positioned, it's going to be a goal. <laughs> it's just no get, yeah. there's just no getting there's just no getting around it. Brilliant finish big? there. Col- Goal of the week candidate. Um, can't defend worth a lick, but he can strike a free kick. That's for sure. Um, Scott, you might disagree with me on that, but uh, two two nil to yes, Roma. Yes, yes, and no. I think age is slightly getting to him. You could see that's him right. struggling in games. Yep. A lifeline for Fiorentina. Milan Badel uh, making it two one. Uh, but then it would be Lorenzo Pellegrini from Aiden Dzeko in the 73rd minute. Uh, and then Zaniolo capping off a very good performance in this game. Uh, for me, one of the better players, if not the best player on this, uh, you know, in this Roma performance, winning uh, the match by four goals to one. Um, I mean, Scott, ultimately, ultimately Roma's quality took over, but there were concerns. I mean, I watched this game, the first 15 to 20 minutes of the game, I thought Fiorentina had you know, more of the, you know, more of the possession, more of the opportunity, certainly more of the momentum. Vlaovic was looking dangerous, um, you know, in particular. Uh, but uh, it felt like when Jekyll scored and then Kolarov just scored in quick succession, it, that was, you know, like two fighters in the ring and one getting his jabs in and, and flying around. And then finally the, the brawler got in and got his punch in. And then, uh, you know, the dancer never really recovered. 
Yeah, totally agree with that. I had that on um, as well. I completely agree. Um, Paulo Lopez had to be on form in the first 15 or so minutes. Um, Roma struggled. They gave away so many sloppy passes. Jordan Veritu is like on his return to Florence was at fault for a couple. And I think as soon as Roma hit into their stride and got the first two, um, the first one seemed to dent their confidence. The second one seemed to just hit rock bock, hit rock bock, hit a rock bottom. Sorry, struggling to get my words out. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as that happened, it, it sort of hit Fiorentina for six and then they got that little bit of a lifeline. And then Roma... Um, sort of controlled the game and then the two late goals added the the cherry on top I I love the third goal I think Lorenzo Pellegrini is just getting better and better for Roma as the number 10 he links so well with Ed and Dzeko and you could see how how much them two have got uh, a correlation going and then the fourth goal you could see with the celebration with Nicolo Zaniolo it it meant so much with him kissing the badge under the cover. Yep, for sure. Um, okay, so we know that Vincenzo Montella has been sacked, Richard. Uh, that's the uh, that that's what we learned uh, that came down over the weekend. So another manager that is not going to be eating his panettone at Christmas with his team. Fiorentina are set for Yakini talks. Oh, they want okay. to, do, they, do they want to get relegated? I mean, well, there no, there won't be any worse position than they are right now. Spalletti wouldn't be a bad shout. Yeah, that's what I've heard a lot of. I know Corey Beresford doesn't like to hear that, but uh, that's what a lot of the rumors are saying right now. Yeah, he's right there in Tuscany right now, so why not? Um, but uh, it sounds like uh, other names. Uh, <clears throat> it, it might be one of those that it's a babysitting situation for whoever comes in to Fiorentina. But talk is is that it also could possibly be, um, uh, let me see here, uh, a holdover as there is mentioning Spalletti, as you said. Other names are Roberto Donadoni, Gigi Di Biagio, and Cesare Prandelli. Um, you know, so let's just quick talk Fiorentina. I mean, this is an attractive job. You have an owner that is ambitious about winning. He's brought in some pretty decent players. You know. Ultimately, who is the best fit for this Fiorentina team, given the current personnel? Uh, Richard, I'll start with you. Uh, of who's available? Of who's of who's available? Yeah. Um, I mean, you probably would want. I don't, I don't know who's the best fit, but you'd probably want to go with someone who you know will right the ship and get them playing competitively. And that's probably is probably Spalletti. Um, there are other bigger names that are out there, but I doubt they'd come to Fiorentina. Um, Lucas, if you can if you can figure out a way to get the contract issues, you know, with Spalletti and Inter out of the way, I think Spalletti probably the best one to get them competitive again. Um, who's who's be the right fit for this team? I'm not sure. You got to get regain their confidence first. Uh, this team is has boatloads of talent, but they're lacking confidence big time. They got a they got a super youngster in and Vlahovic that they need to they need to build this team around. Obviously Chiesa as well. Um, you got guys like Ribéry as well, and some of the other guys, but um, they're not playing even close to their potential. They're not even they're not even mediocre. They're they're just poor, uh, and so getting their confidence back and the one person probably who's going to be best for that is probably going to be Spalletti. So uh, that's that's who I'd go with at least. Uh, Scott, is it are, are you on that are you on that wavelength with Richard there that it's Spalletti or or do you think they go a different direction? Um, 
I mean, at, at a minimum, I don't think Inter are going to be as stubborn about their end of the negotiations with Spalletti going to Fiorentina as they were with him going to Milan. No, I can see that happening. I'm with Richard. I did see Chloe tweet out as a joke, um, Poch, Mauricio Pochettino. I did I did have a little chuckle at that, but I can see Spalletti as he's a Tuscan, Tuscan bloke. Um, and as you say, the wages won't be that didn't he only sign a two three year contract with Inter so he's only got a, a, like a year's payoff so mm-hmm. it probably won't take that much from Fiorentina and Inter to do do some negotiations mm-hmm. okay um, so that's you know I, I think Spalletti you know certainly has the most pedigree I just you know I don't think they want to uh, recycle Cesare Prandelli again um, I think that that's a, a fantasy of certain writers um you know and i don't know if uh, last last we saw uh Gigi Di Biagio, he ruined a perfectly good italy under 21 team at the euros uh, <laughs> i don't want him anywhere near a Serie A team um so um well he can go to inter uh but <laughs> <laughs> if that whole conte thing doesn't work out uh but you know uh i i just i i don't think there's uh you know, there's another ideal candidate at this point. And, and, and Donadoni, I think that would be a, you know, a bit of a difficult one for me to, you know, accept as being a good candidate for, for Fiorentina. But Donadoni did a decent job, not a great job when he was at Bologna, uh, but was was run out of there as well. So um, we'll be interesting to see uh, what comes of uh, uh, this Fiorentina manager position, because I think it's a good job. Uh, for the right candidate. So uh, let's just uh, jump into these other seven games. Udinese getting a much-needed win over Cagliari. Cagliari's undefeated streak, uh, unbeaten run breaks uh, this weekend uh, at the hands of Udinese, of all people. Rodrigo DePaul getting on the score sheet in the 39th minute uh, from Seiko, uh, Seiko Fofana. Uh, 84th minute, Joao Pedro uh, would get on the board to make it 1-1, and then it was Seiko Fofana uh, putting uh, the, the Friuli outfit ahead. Uh, Fofana really good in this game. And uh, Udinese getting an upset here uh, over Cagliari by two goals to one. Um, oh, did Cagliari did lose to Lazio on Monday. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, two, two very, very late Lazio yeah. goals. I think it was the game winner. Yeah. Okay, 90, we, we, we just... 97-20, I think it was. They, they scored really late on to get the winner. Laziali, please forgive me. Um, I this is what happens when I take a week off from this stuff. Uh, so, at least in my world, Cagliari's unbeaten run snapped. Okay, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. So, all right. Uh, Inter absolutely smacked Genoa and has actually put uh, Tiago Mota's uh, reign at Genoa in doubt. Uh, and it was Romelu Lukaku in the 31st minute, and then Roberto Gagliardini just a minute later to make it 2-0. In the 64th minute, Inter get a penalty, and Romelu Lukaku is in the giving spirit and uh, gives over the penalty duties to young Sebastiano Esposito, bravo, who, bravo. Who, uh, who scores the penalty, gets his first Inter goal, uh, and Romelu Lukaku would brace in the 71st minute, a 4-0 thrashing, nothing good from this uh from this Genoa side in this game. It was all Inter. Uh, and then uh, Torino, as uh, Walter Mazzari's seat might be 
uh, getting, oh, just a little more toasty, uh, losing at home to Spall uh, by two goals to one. Thomas Rincon actually put Torino ahead in the fourth minute. Uh, Gabriel Stadefetza scoring in the 42nd minute. I believe that is his first goal uh, with Spall. Yes. Um, it, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, promising young player. The, what little I've watched of him, he, he, he looks like he's got some potential. Um, Bremer uh, getting a second foul, a second yellow in the 55th minute and being sent off, bringing Spall down to 10 men. And it is Andrea Patania. Pies for everybody. Um, <laughs> and he puts, uh, especially for him, and uh, Spall win two goals to one, uh, giving their uh, survival hopes a little bit of a push uh, here heading into the break. Uh, Sunday's action... Um, I want to. Uh, I, I wish I never woke up for, uh, but I echo the sentiments of all Milan supporters as Atalanta did Atalanta things, and they did them to Milan, five uh, nil. Uh, the final here, Alejandro Gomez, a goal of the week candidate uh, from Josip Ilicic. Josip Ilicic was outstanding in this game. Um, Mario Pasolic scoring in the 61st minute because Davide Calabria doesn't know how to keep people offside. Put people offside. Um, He's the new he's the new Bonero when it comes to that. Except he's a fullback. Josip um, Ilicic in the 63rd minute, uh, assisted by Pasolic. Just so just two minutes later, and the route was on. And in the 72nd minute, Josip Ilicic with a goal of the week candidate, absolute peach. Uh, I couldn't help but just you know in 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 the misery of what I was going through, just couldn't help. I found some some courage to applaud that. Four uh, 0 for Atalanta and Luis Muriel. Comes on as a substitute in the 80th minute, so of course three minutes later he scores, uh, making it five goals to nil. Um, let's get in the rest of the highlights, okay? First of all, the fifth goal bothered me, and it's not because Atalanta scored a fifth goal, okay? It bothered me because of, you know, I, I, Gigio Donnarumma. Start, you know, okay. Here's here's the rule on something like that, Scott. You go out and you go out all the way, okay? Yeah, clean and the you, guy out. You, and, you and, and and that's what I it's exactly what I said on Twitter. Okay, you go and get a red card. You go and wipe the guy out. You don't let him score. <laughs> so that's no. it's four nil down. You show some pride. You show you know if your defenders aren't going to do it, you're going to send a message and say, hey, I'm take I, I I'm I'm falling on the sword. I normally don't condone that kind of behavior. I mean, but it's it's similar to like in baseball, like a team has, you know, beaten you up for like fourteen or fifteen runs. By then, a pitcher should just make a ba- make one of the, a pitcher should just make a hitter wear one at some point. You know, just out of frustration. And, and maybe I'm just really angry about how this game went. But that was exactly what I thought. I said, not only should, shouldn't you have hesitated, you come out all the way. And if you lay Luis Muriel out and get a red card, so be it, as long as he doesn't score. Don't give up a fifth. Have some pride. Would you applaud if he actually did that in your home? If he just went out, just took him out, take the red card, was- just and then see him walking off? Would you just stand up and applaud? I was watching it by myself, so yes. But if my kid was in the room watching it, if my kid was in the room watching it with me, I probably would have said that was terrible. He shouldn't have done that. But <laughs> it depends on the situation with me. <laughs> I mean, over, overall, yeah, it's a it's a terrible thing for me to say, but it's just you know, at, at some point, you know, somebody's got to show some heart and some fight that that they give a damn about what's going on out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, show some balls. So, anywho, um, Richard, you know where I'm coming from with this, don't you? Wait, we're talking about Milan. I'm get a beer <laughs> yeah. <here>. Um, <laughs> Not man, bad. yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, 
I, I know exactly where you come from because I agree wholeheartedly. Um, it was just a pathetic performance overall, and at least somebody showed some kind of fight. And and by fight, a red card in that situation would have been perfect because at least the goalkeeper cares about it, but clearly he does not. Um, overall, pathetic performance. Or or maybe actually, I should say the credit should go to Atalanta. They just continue doing Atalanta things. Um, unfortunately, it's to our team. You know, if you look at it, big picture, and we're not you know outside of who who we support. Atalanta just dismantled a mid-table team, which they've been doing all season long. So are we really surprised? If you take the name away, it's just, okay, Atalanta doing Atalanta things. But um, because the name's involved, it looks much worse than it. It's bad. I mean, it is a bad game, but uh, Atalanta make Milan look uh, completely atrocious uh, in this game. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it was just a gutless, lifeless performance. I don't know how SofaScore gave Suzo a 7 in this game. I'd, I'd, I'd like to they thought the he played for but- Atalanta. What? Well, he did. He kept giving Atalanta the ball. <laughs> so, so there you go. He got an assist. In theory, or in theory, he did. He must have loved the must have liked the trees on the on the shirts or something like that. That, um, that is a hell of a shirt, and a, it's I, it's only for Christmas, isn't it? So it's only a limited edition shirt. I know Atalanta have been doing this for a couple of seasons now, but that is a a very nice uh, home shirt that they had on today. I mean, Suzo only completed 76% of his passes in this game. You're going to be a playmaker. You need to you need to up those numbers a little bit. I mean, he's clearly not giving anybody an opportunity to finish, you know, with those numbers. And, you know, now that you mentioned Suzo, I don't know where SofaScore, how they rate their players sometimes. It just, it's it's kind of funny. Um, it's just, it's, it's it's something that I use for when I play my daily fantasy soccer. Maybe and stuff he has like compromising that. pictures of Sofa. Could be. <laughs> People that people from sofa on a sofa. There you go. Doing compromising things. Oh, so bad, bad, bad image in my head now. Thanks. Well, <laughs> we don't know what these people look like, Richard. So don't just don't don't go not just yet, okay? <laughs> if, if it so, if it makes you feel better, he got six point five on who scored. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Why he got above five? I don't know. <laughs> And I don't know what the, these people watch. <laughs> he's the high. He's the highest rated Milan player in in the starting eleven. He got six point five. How? Oh, who knows? How? I just I don't get it. I, you know, but you know, it is it is what it is. I yeah. He's got he's got something of somebody that you know. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't even want to know. But in in any event, I mean, you know, Atalanta was brilliant. Josip Ilicic in particular, I thought Gomez was great. Obviously, your usual cast of characters, uh, you know, turned up uh, and turned up big time in this game and just absolutely, absolutely slaughtered Milan today. Um, and I see a lot of people, you know, taking to Twitter and just talking about how well this is the perfect end to a decade of just absolute mediocrity overall. Um, I guess it's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah. You know. Uh, but uh, but nonetheless, they gave Hakan Chalanolu they gave Hakan Chalanolu a seven point one huh. with his one shot on target. No, one one shot off target. Excuse me, and his seventy three percent completion rate, <laughs> and not a whole lot else. Put fourteen uh, lost possession fourteen times. I guess that gets you a seven point one. I guess. Somehow they, but everybody else, nobody after that. I'm looking at I'm looking at Sofa Score here. Nobody after that is rated higher than a six point three. They gave Donnarumma a six point six. So I mean, granted, I mean, he had to make some. He had to make six saves. So 
you know, maybe he maybe he earned that a little bit, but good lord. I mean, Atalanta just absolutely battered Milan. And it's just a tale of the direction that both of those clubs are going. Atalanta just continue to mesmerize with the way they play on a limited budget, uh, with limited resources, a smaller roster, and 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 Milan who have continued to just throw money at the problem and has just not seen it getting it get any better. Someone uh, had posted a stat today that said Milan's roster is, I think, two times the two times that of Atalanta's, at least that. Uh, that's crazy. And then you can yeah. see the scoreline with the results. Scouting yeah. people, scouting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the age old thing of, well, you know, the United States has 300 million people. You know, why aren't they one of the best in the world at yeah. soccer? You know, because they, they have so much more population than even these European countries like Iceland has 300,000 people, yet they can reach the last eight of a major international competition. United States has 300 million people and they can't even get to the first round sometimes and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it's scouting, it's talent, it's player development, it's it's coaching, it's it's, it's all of those wonderful things that you need to implement. You know, you know, Milan just can't throw the red and black stripes on the on the pitch anymore and expect to just win games. I mean, we are so far removed from that. Um you know, and who knows if it's ever going to get back to that again uh, in the direction that they're going. And Boban is right. Not going to be a Merry Christmas in Milan, and it shouldn't be. So um, so anyway, so, uh, you know, and Verona was allowed to uh, have the weekend off, and so was, uh, well, Sampdoria was allowed to start earlier because they made up their game with Juventus at midweek uh, that they would have played this weekend. And so there were three teams that that took uh, Chris, got an early start on Christmas vacation, Verona, Sampdoria, and Milan. So... There you go. Um, Lecce 2, Bologna 3, and this was actually Bologna just running riot. Ricardo Orsolini uh, in the 43rd, uh, Roberto Soriano in the 56th, and Orsolini again in the 66th, 3-0. Uh, but they had to hang on for dear life because Kuba Babacar scoring in the 85th and Diego Farias in the 90, 90th plus 1, uh, 91st minute, uh, brought Lecce back. Came nearly close to rescuing a point, but Bologna going to hang on for the three points there. Uh, Parma won, Brescia won. Uh, a, uh, a game here where uh, Mario Bellotelli, and we'll talk about the crap on a cracker team, two goals in successive weekends and has probably, as a result, played his way out of the crap on a cracker team as a result. Um, and it was uh, Alberto Grassi on an assist from Dejan Kulishevsky in the 92nd minute rescuing a point uh, for Parma and keeping them up in seventh uh, to make a, you know, to continue to make some kind of a push for Europe. And then finally it was Sassuolo uh, against Napoli. Uh, Sassuolo won Napoli two, giving Gattuso his first win as Napoli manager. Hamid Traori in the 29th minute, opening the scoring for the Nero Verde. Um, Allen would equalize in the 57th minute. And then, um, there was a VAR incident, a goal for uh, Jose Callejon was ruled out, and then in the 94th minute, it would be a Pedro Obiang own goal uh, to give Napoli the win, to give Gattuso three points, uh, to give Napoli three points, move them up to eighth. Um, Scott, early returns on Gattuso's team so far at Napoli. Um, I watched this game tonight and I watched the game last week. They were really, 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 really bad for the first 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they could not string two to three passes together. Um, Sassuolo just absolutely pressed them, 
won the ball back and just created a hat full of chances, I wouldn't be surprised if Cattuso gave him an absolute bollocking in the set at half time. And in the second half, the ro- the roles were reversed and Napoli's class showed in the end. Um, it's a work in progress for me. I think he's trying to get his his style of football. He always likes to play 4-3-3. Oh, you two are Milan fans. That's the way he played at Milan. Um, the only thing with me is probably going to have to think, do I play Insigne or do I keep Mertens on the left? And who can he bring in in January? And also the loss of Koulibaly, because it looks like he's out for a month. So that's going to be a big loss. But today or tonight is a massive win for them. And it goes, I think it's like 64 days in in the league without a win. Um, I think it was like before tonight was one one win in nine. And it, it's it's been a long run for them. And... Who knows what 2020 will bring for them? Hopefully, a little bit of form. I, I, I do think in the Champions League they're in for a, a rough ride against um, a Barcelona team that could absolutely batter them. Mm-hmm. Richard, thoughts on uh, Dapoli under Gattuso so far? I agree with Scott. Yeah, at halftime, Sassuolo still had more of the ball, but when Napoli had it, they were just absolutely dangerous. Uh, made many more useful chances than Sassuolo did, uh, but. Thoughts on uh, Gattuso at Napoli so far? I like what he did in the first game. Uh, went back to the 4-3-3. The team looked like they were back to their uh, old mojo, if you will, in the sense that they felt very comfortable. They looked like they, they looked like they were playing comfortable. Uh, kind of got their swagger back just a little bit. Uh, the result wasn't you know quite what they wanted uh, with that loss. But then this week, um, you know, a lot of a lot of Napoli faithfuls were didn't like what they saw at the beginning. But I think uh, ultimately. They did come back and they did get the victory, and so you got to like that. At least he got the win in that one, and you got to build from that. You got to start from somewhere, right? It's right. not going to happen overnight, especially with a new manager, uh, a manager who is not used to having this much talent at his disposal. To be frank, and um, yeah, it's gonna it's, it's gonna be a work in progress. But I think overall, you just give it a few a few weeks, whatever. You let him do this four three three. You let him let the team be comfortable back to what they're used to, and then you start doing. Uh, Gattuso does have some good tactics in him. Um, you know, despite what many people think, um, I think he'll help, you know, get them situated defensively and then going forward, they can go back and do what they think. I mean, I tell you, they're just, they're doing everything right, but scoring goals. I think once they start scoring the goals in bunches, it'll just be back to normal again. They're going to click, something's going to click in their head and be like, all right, this is how we do it. Um, once that, once the dam breaks, then I think, uh, everything will be nice and pretty with, with Napoli. Just the, the question is when I think now that this break is coming, you're going to have a nice month off for us fans but you know a month for Gattuso to practice with his team get his team ready uh they'll be they'll be a different team come you know 2020 uh hopefully for not only for Napoli fans but for the neutral because when Napoli plays well they're one of the best teams to watch in Europe and um it's been a while since we got to see that it seems like because their confidence or whatever it was uh behind the scenes um I think Gattuso will eventually do what Napoli needs and that is you know move up the table Anything, Richard, that you've seen from these games that uh, that, that that raised your uh, that raised your eyebrow? Or are we just uh, working our way into the working our way into the break here? Yeah, I mean, there, there's still some glimpses of the the past where you know a blip in there. Like at one point in the game, um, I think overall in the game, I think Napoli had less of possession than than their opponent. You know, it's Sassuolo. It's not Inter. It's not Juventus. You know. Yes, the Zerbi's teams have are is 
beautiful to watch. They're fun. They play really good team football, but it's Sassuolo. It's not a big team. So that's that's a little bit concerning, and you know the guys. Maybe that's a maybe it's a, a tactic because um, Gattuso tried to employ. But um, you know, other than that, it's just you know got, Alan is finally stepping up, and that's what what's really the big thing. Once he starts, once his engine starts going, um, the team can rally around him and kind of and go from there. But um, yeah, the, the possession, which we I don't remember the last time Napoli conceded um, possession over an opponent. Do you? It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been, uh, and they were content with, uh, seemed to be content with letting Sassuolo have the ball. I mean, in the first half, Sassuolo just ran right on them. As, as Scott said, you know, they also pressed Napoli into some problems, and then Napoli figured out how to make better use of things, you know, with the inferiority in possession. Um, it might be important for them to learn to play that way a little bit uh, because there's going to be games, I mean, they're, Look at the Champions League game in two months. I by no way think that they're going to get past Barcelona, but they're not going to have even 40% of possession against them. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> Sassuolo is certainly not Barcelona, but, you know, an environment where they were inferior in possession and had to figure out how to create their chances and, you know, do some things on the break and do some things in, in different situations, I think could provide useful for them and to be able to play in different ways. And, you know, let's see how, um, let's see how Gattuso manages this now going forward. Um, Scott, uh, Cagliari, uh, have they peaked? Oh, good question. Good question. I did hear the, one of the commentators said today, the, how they hit a brick wall. Um, well, they haven't. Is it they haven't won in three or four games now? Is it? Um, and they, I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no. Um, it's still an amazing story of what they've done this season. Um, I just think that when they get their injured players back in uh, the goalkeeper and the attacker, I think you might see a, a different a different kettle of fish going into the 2020, but I don't think they've, they've peaked. I think they were never a top four candidate. I think they were maybe a top six. And I was listening mm-hmm. to a previous podcast of yours where I think you and your guests said they were never top four, but they were top six. And I think that's where they should aim. Yep. It sounds fair to me. Sounds fair to me. Um, you know, not much else on this uh, slate. I mean, Richard uh, Genoa, Inter just battering Genoa. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think there's another example of two teams just kind of having a reversal of fortune and Genoa at the bottom of the table. I don't know. We, we certainly did not expect this from the Griffone um, with some of the moves that they made. Um, and then we're going to get on the crap on a cracker team. There's three players in that team that are on Genoa. Uh, mm. it's, it's, it's really gone wrong for them. This season, I think, you know, we, we talk about Inter. They're certainly going to be in a title race and they're going to be in this thing with Juventus seemingly all the way to the end. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of this, I don't think with, with some of the moves that Genoa made uh, and with how they restructured their team, Yonat Radu, spoiler alert, he's our goalkeeper in that team. Um, but he was a guy that was in really good form towards the end of last season. They made some additions. Lasses Shun comes over from Ajax. Um, they tweak things a little bit here. Um, Kwame goes, you know, goes to Napoli, but comes back on loan. I don't think we expected. We certainly, 
I, I didn't expect Geno to be at the foot of the table at this point in the season. No, neither did I. And uh, this is this is another team like Fiorentina where there's lots of talent. I think Fiorentina has more talent than than Genoa, but Genoa still has some talent there, especially like Kwame and up at top. They do they have some guys there, and yet they're not performing. It, it's um, it's it's confusing, really. It, you, you mean, obviously, it's the manager's situation. You had. I think two opposite managers in 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 this. When you had um, you know, Andrea Zoli before, and now you have uh, you know Tiago Mota. <laughs> you know, Syria is you know we were talking pre pod is that you know it's not a place for a short term man short term manager. If you want a short term turnaround, you probably don't want to go with new managers. You want to go with someone who's experienced, and that's probably why people recycle managers so much because they know how to turn it around so fast. Ideally, what's really you know what Genoa needs is uh, some new, new fresh blood in there, which they do have, but they're not going to give them time to figure this out. And obviously, with being at the foot of the table, it's not going to help things, right? If they, if he was out of the relegation zone and and struggling, it probably would be fine, more fine. <laughs> but you know, Genoa does not. Genoa's the, long, the oldest team in the league. Um, no one wants to see them get relegated, really. But I don't know, man. It's 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 head scratching, and, and unfortunately, I think some, something's going to have to change. And it's going to be the manager. Um, I think Tiago Mota has the potential to do some good stuff there, but the guys haven't got it yet. You know, he, the management hoped, the ownership hoped that he'd be able to turn it around real quick, and it started out. There's some glimpses here and there, lots of possession, but it's not doing anything in the final third. Kwame's not doing much. Sanabria's not doing much. Uh, Pondev does what he can he can do, but you know he's ninety seven years old. He can only do so much. So, um, yeah, it's 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 uh, dark days for Genoa. Unfortunately, uh, I, we always want we want the Grifone to do well. You know, at least be out of this relegation fight. And uh, at present, they're they're at the bottom of the table, and it's uh, something has to happen. And it's uh, we'll see what happens this winter break. Whether they give they give Mota. Uh, a little more time. They got a little bit lighter schedule coming up before they hit, you know, Cali and Atalanta back to back. So we'll see, but um, it doesn't look good at the moment. No. So we shall uh, we shall see what comes of that. Uh, goals of the week here, guys. I'm going to give you my uh, five, and then um, and then uh, we'll let uh, uh, we'll let you guys give you give your five. Um, uh, number five for me is Pellegrini's goal for Roma. Uh, number four for me is Papu Gomez's goal for Atalanta against Milan. Uh, number three for me is the Colera free kick uh, against Fiorentina. Uh, number two for me, because it is part of match week 17, they just played it a couple of days earlier and we haven't really talked about it, but uh, uh, Ronaldo's uh, jumping, I, who said it on Twitter that he's jumping, you know, he, Ronaldo jumped as if he was giving, being served a court summons. Um, <laughs> oh, I, did, gosh. I did see a few of those. <laughs> Here comes Juve Twitter again. <laughs> <Can't even laughs> um, but uh, that one, that headed goal is number two for me and Josip Ilicic's goal. Uh, that was just kind of, that was just, that, that was, you know, as a Milan fan, I appreciate it because it was like being, it was, it was basically being gangster slapped <laughs> at that point. <laughs> so, Josip uh, Ilicic uh, has my vote for goal of the week scott your turn uh so number five uh it is romano lukaku uh number four is rodrigo de paul number three is papa gomez number two is kolorov and number one is joseph Ilicic. all right uh richard 
Um, okay, so my honorable mentions, um, anyone who from Atalanta who I didn't mention in the top five, uh, <laughs> Orsolini, uh, I liked his goal a lot, Babacar with his volley as well. Um, my fifth and fourth, really, you could put any in, in any order, really, but for me, number five, the Atalanta boys, Papu Gomez and Ilicic, both of them with wonderful strikes. Number four, Rodrigo De Paul. Uh, again, I love his left-footed shot. Um, all three of those goals are really, really something beautiful. Number three for me, Alexander Kolarov. Uh, he just does it time and time again on, on set pieces. Ronaldo, are you paying attention? This is how you score free kick goals. Uh, number two for me is Lukaku. Uh, a wonderful goal there. Uh, nice celebration as well. Um, goal of the week for me is from midweek, and it's from Ronaldo hanging in, in heaven forever and then getting the header in there. Uh, it just, he probably has the best ups, I'm going to call it ups in history. I mean, there's guys who have good air, you know, Zlatan has, has good jumping ability as a Sergio Ramos, but Ronaldo, I don't know if anyone does better than him. So uh, he just does it again at, at however old he is, 34, 35. So uh, yeah. that's my goal of the week. I think it was Incredible. two, 2.56 meters in the air. Uh, and he hung for like three seconds. He jumped yeah. before everybody else, and he landed after everybody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've seen people criticizing, is it Alex Ferrari? And Ferrari did nothing wrong. It's just Ronaldo just absolutely battered him in the air. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even close. No. Yep. Fantastic goal. Um, all, all good, all, all worthy shots. We, had our, we certainly had our choices this week, uh, you know, for our goals of the week candidates. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, winners and losers, uh, you know, uh, winners, winner for me is, uh, going to be, I got to think about this Lazio. I mean, they did it again. They've won another cup. They've, they've beaten Juve, um, you know, outstanding for them. Uh, they are, I think part of a three team race at the moment until, uh, the games and the uh, next several weeks will dictate otherwise. Uh, just really on a high right now. Um, you know, adding a trophy to the trophy case, maybe being the third team in a conversation about three teams for the Scudetto uh, and just the form that they're in uh, altogether has just been tremendous. So they're my winner. Milan is clearly my loser. Uh, don't need to go into any more discussion about that. Scott? <laughs> uh, can I pick more than one team for each? Is, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my winners are Spal. Uh, I watched the last probably eighty minutes of this of this game, and they defended really, really well. And you know, you jokingly said about Andrea Batania. He didn't honestly. He didn't have to move for his header. He just stood there and nodded it in. That's how they he just... scores. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about this two weeks ago. This man is not going to create his own goals. He's going to stand. They in the create pen- him. They create. He's going to stand in the penalty area. He's going to find his spot. <laughs> he's not, and he's not going to. I mean, he's not going to run. It's going to take forever for him to make a run. It's just anyway. I the poor guy. Uh, but anyway, go on. <laughs> oh no, no, he's it's in it. In it, it could get him removed to Roma in January as a as a vice for Jacko. But we have to wait and see. Um, yeah, Spalletti defended really well, and actually Torino will. Were rubbish as soon as they went down to ten men. Um, another another winner is Atalanta. Sorry guys, but they absolutely wiped the floor with Milan. It could have been a lot more. And oh, don't apologize. Li- I'm I'm not ripping on. An, I'm not I'm not making fun of anybody that supports Atalanta. No, uh, and my losers are Fiorentina, um, <laughs> Montella. 
he, he had such a bad record. I did see a stat that he picked up, was it 12 points from 72 played? And it's, it's just a horrible, horrible mess that he left at Fiorentina. And um, I'm going to say AC Milan. It was, it, they were, it was work. It was horrible. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see an apology from the players to the fans, maybe in the next day or so. That'd be something. And Patani at Roma, that actually would work perfectly. Yeah, for, yeah. He wouldn't, you know, he, he would, a, a, a perfect team where he wouldn't have to move. You got guys like Clivert and Perotti and uh, Zaniolo and, and uh, Pellegrini and, you know, Veretu who run all over the place, um, you know, and you get you know, crosses from Kolarov. I mean, just find his spot in the box and just camp, pitch a tent and camp out there and let the ball come to him. Hit so, that six-yard six box radius where he will stand and just ping balls to him where he can just nod the ball in. He would have like the he already not that I mean he already has one of the thinnest heat maps um, from <laughs> of any player. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop ripping on this guy because <laughs> he makes a lot of money doing what he does. He can eat whatever he wants. He keeps pizzerias <laughs> open, all right. He does, doesn't he? I keep pizzerias open too. I just, I just, I just don't make as much money as he does, and I'm also 20 years older, so it's my life cycle. My life cycle gets brought into question. So, um, but no, he, yeah, I mean, he just he'd have the he'd have the thinnest heat map ever. He'd hardly have to move with all those guys running around him, especially in Fonseca's system. Sure, Richard, winner and loser. How do I follow that up? Um, my winners of the week are Fiorentina. They get rid of the black hole that is Vincenzo Montella. Hopefully it gets filled by someone competent like um, uh, Spalletti or someone like that who can bring uh, bring some competition, competitiveness back to Fiorentina. Um, they are much better without the services of Montella. I can't say the same about Milan, but you know, uh, Fiorentina, hopefully there's uh, some hope there with some youngsters, some very talented youngsters there. Losers of the week, um, it's going to be unanimous Milan. Uh, you get just battered 5 nothing uh, by a good Atalanta squad. I mean, they were, Atalanta looked beautiful. I mean, they were also, you know, a winner of the week. Um, they do just continue doing their things no matter the opponent. And uh, Milan, this is, this is as bad as loss as I can remember in, in recent memory. And, um, it's not a good thing. Uh, you know, we thought there was uh, the team was moving in upward projection, but uh, you know, Pioli was brought in to stabilize the club, and it's um, yeah, not so good. I my wife drew my blood uh, before I got to turn on the TV to watch the second half of that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she's a she's a med she's a med she's a med tech. Uh, so she brought home a she wanted to get my. Uh, get my labs done so she brought in uh brought it brought in a kit and i uh, took my blood and took it to the lab to do all the readings and stuff like that so um no should have done your readings before and after the game too yeah. that should have been interesting i mean it would i mean no that's blood pressure she didn't take that <laughs> so anyway but yeah so all right so goals of the week winners and losers what do you think go to ad city i sit down on twitter or instagram uh let's hand out some awards All right, Serie A went or is going on uh, Christmas break. Milan went on a got a head start on it. So did Verona uh, for very different reasons. But uh, 
gives us a chance to uh, regroup and uh, take a look at the first half of the season and do what we have do as a tradition here on Serie A Sit Down, name a crap on a cracker 11, what everybody else would refer to as a flop 11, then, of course, our squadra finora, uh, team of the season so far, uh, halfway through. So, um, crap on a cracker, flop 11, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have one stipulation. You had to have played and you had to have proven you sucked. Uh, coming over and signing with a club and then not getting pitch time does not make you a flop in our opinion. You had to you had to prove you were crap. Uh, so that's how we picked this team. And uh, this team really stinks. This might be the this might be the worst team we've picked. Is this Fiorentina? <laughs> and strangely enough, no one from Fiorentina made this team. No, what's wrong with us? We didn't. We didn't pick any, did we? We didn't. We didn't pick anyone from Fiorentina. Who? I mean, for 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 argument's sake, though, who would we have picked from Fiorentina? Well, we got the manager. We got the manager. Oh, it's going to be managed by Montella. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I think so. Okay, think, yeah, because I, I don't want Fabio Grosso to be manager just because he only lasted three games at Brescia. That's an owner <laughs> problem. That's not a Fabio Grosso problem. He Fabio didn't Grosso for enough games. He won us a World Cup. You know, he, he won us a World Cup. He 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 could have, you know. He could have went number two on the pitch live. <laughs> and I would have been like, okay, cool. You won me a World Cup. I'm good. <laughs> so. Oh, my goodness. I'm in Scott, see what happens when you lose 5 nothing, Scott? This uh, it's fine. Gary Lineker did it on the pitch in World Cup 90, so it's all right. <laughs> Isn't that why we watch live live uh, live events anyway in case we're, we're we're always hoping for that moment where someone actually shits themselves so didn't an MMA fighter do that against uh Ronda yeah. Rousey a few years uh, ago yeah i know a rest, a couple of wrestlers have done it yeah that's in the true. ring yeah is that what we is that what we live for <laughs> <laughs> apparently we're, we're pathetic <laughs> so yeah. anyway let's name our crap on a cracker team starting in goal Yonat Radu of Genoa um, and then uh, let's name our back four. Our back four is Andrea Rispoli of Lecce, Matteo Musacchio of Milan, William Trost Ekong of Udinese, and Andrea Conti of Milan. <clears throat> Not much needs to be said. Andrea Conti probably has the best chance out of any of these guys to play his way out of this. His, he has shown some quality in the past. <clears throat> um But the rest of these guys, I mean, Musacchio, just, it, it's not gone right for him since he's come over. Um, you know, Troste Kong has just had nightmare after nightmare. Rispoli's terrible. And then, and Radu is, you know, joint, you know, Genoa's, uh, joint top for most goals allowed in the league. And, you know, Gabriel is from Lecce, which I know you suggested Scott, but, you know, just watch this, watch that Bologna game. Had it not been for Gabriel, Bologna should have scored 10. So, um, you know, for that factor, Radu makes the team, but let's, uh, you know, Monroe, uh, Scott, your comments on our goalkeeper and our defenders for the crap on a cracker team, and maybe anybody that uh, uh, could be uh, deserving to be in here. Uh, on the goalkeeper, I do feel a bit sorry for him because he has to play him. Um, he's got that back three in front uh, in front of him, which seems to ship goals left, right, and center. And he's doing his best to keep him out, but um, He's not having the best of time. He's probably one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A last season. He's got a, a very young prospect. Um, I think he's inter-owned, so they think of him highly. And he's been playing regular football at Genoa for a, a year and a half now. But yeah, it's, it's, this season's not been, been so great for him. Um, watching Andrea Conti today, um, it, it wasn't good. 
support. I, I did feel sorry for him because he's had two serious knee injuries and um, he's trying to find his way back into fitness. But uh, Papu Gomez just just danced all around him and just left him yeah. for dead. And it, it, it wasn't a pretty sight. And as you said about Masaccio, um, yeah, he's just um, not good. No, no. Um, Richard, thoughts on our our defenders and our goalkeeper that we picked for this team? Yeah, I mean, just just to add to what what Scott said, um, Radu, he was such a fantastic goalkeeper last year, and, and obviously it's accumulation of what the team is doing in front of him. Uh, he can only do so much with thirty five goals conceded. It's uh, it's not a good number, especially when you play as many games as he has. Um, he, he's a good good young keeper. However, you know, if you're giving up that many goals, someone's got to take the fall. Um, and unfortunately for him, you know, despite what's in front of him, he, he there's some certain things he's he's making more mistakes this year than he was making last year that caused some of the goals. So um, I think it's a justifiable uh, pick there. I mean, we talked about Gabriel being possible also because he's joint with 35 goals conceded. But uh, as you mentioned, Gabriel probably you know saved his team from more embarrassing losses uh, because of some of the big saves he made. So. Uh, that's why he kind of got the edge out of the team as opposed to Radu, who who made the team. Right, right. Um, I mean, but the, the the crap on a cracker moment didn't come from any single one of these players as far as defensive positions is concerned. No. That came no. from Fabio Pisacane of Cagliari, huh. um, who fell on his ass, and I can't even remember who was against. It's against uh, Roma, Roma when Kalinic scored. Oh, is that how Kalinic <laughs> scored in Serie He, he should have been the captain. He should have been the yeah, captain. Yeah, but then, didn't get disallowed by VAR. Because it was the collision between him and Olsen. Is that the one you're thinking yeah, of? I think, I think no, there was one where there was a goal that stood. Um, oh, I can't that, yeah, it's the week. It was wasn't it the week before against for Hellas Verona? Yes, there it is. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Hellas Verona. And I can't remember who's. I can't remember who uh, pounced on it, but but uh, that was all Pisacane. <laughs> so, um, but uh, that was certainly the uh, the the most dubious moment for, uh, for any player in Serie A this season. So thought we'd call that out. Um, all right. So, uh, let's move into the midfield, a three man midfield for this team. Uh, two of them on Genoa, Lucas Lerer and Ivan Radovanovic make this team. And they are joined by Lecce's Zan Meyer, who is listed as an attacking midfielder and has played 13 games, Richard, and has five yellow cards, uh, attacking midfielders, shouldn't be trying to prove that they can play like defensive midfielders, should they? <laughs> no, they shouldn't. And maybe it's just a result of every time he loses the ball, he commits a foul because he's, he's angry. Uh, I don't know. That that seems ridiculous that an attacking midfielder has that many yellow cards. Because uh, you, you're right. I mean, when, you, when you're on the offensive end, uh, you really shouldn't be making fouls unless, you know, I can't think of a reason why. So... Um, that this guy's definitely warranting of a spot in the crap eleven, uh, crap on a cracker eleven, I should say. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of yellows for being uh, not a defensive player. I mean, and uh, you can talk about the back three in front of Radu Scott, but I think this midfield also has been uh, you know, pretty guilty uh, of Genoa's demise this season, and Lerer and Radovanovic are ideal fits for this team. Yeah, completely agree. I watched the uh, the Derby della Lanterna uh, last week, and um, Radovanovic did not. Uh, he did disgrace himself. Uh, he didn't play very well, and I think he's been playing out of position as well. I think he's been playing a centre back, and he's a centre mid, so he hasn't been doing well this season for general. Mm. 
Lerner for me probably has the best chance of getting out of this team out of these three players. There's some he's turned up some decent games for Genoa through the years, and he's going to have to turn that up to have a chance here. Um, our attackers are actually uh, more recognizable names. Uh, for everybody. Uh, we're starting with Federico Benedeschi of Juventus, who has just struggled all season long, just has struggled to adapt to Maurizio's Saudi system. Federico, it's really simple. You've got Ronaldo, you've got Dybala, you've got Higuain, uh, you've got Pjanic. There you've got stars all around you. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, you know, so that's why Federico Benedeschi makes this team. It's been a real struggle for him. Uh, Kevin Lasagna, Really struggling for Udinese this season. Just three goals and all the appearances that he's made. And then finally, Christoph Piontek gets into this crap on a cracker team. Just a year ago today, we're singing his praises and talking about him being a squad de Finota candidate. And I think we're starting to potentially learn the hard way, Scott, as our Milan management and supporters, that he was a flash in the pan and Milan paid all that money for good form. Yeah, you sort of have to think that lingering in the back of the back of your mind is this could this be a, just a one hit wonder and and you think shit did we really just spend 35 million euros on him where just like a year year ago he was scoring goals for fun for Genoa and just remember on his debut he scored four in the Coppa Italia against uh, was against yeah. Lecce yeah and, yeah. and it's yeah. just it's just not hit for him this season um, I remember seeing an, an interview he did with Matteo Bonetti on ESPN he said I just want to want to do well this season I'll just keep on scoring but it he's looked a shadow of the player he was last season Matteo Bonetti is our crap on a cracker uh, analyst um <laughs> Because he cursed Christoph Piontek with that interview. I think it may be still on YouTube if you two want to check it out. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Not yeah, interested. You know, Richard Bernadeschi should be – his skill set should fit what Saudi wants, shouldn't it? Why has it been so hard for him? I don't know. Uh, it was working very briefly at the very beginning – uh, him and Ronaldo formed this like magical pairing, uh, but since then it's just—I don't know—for whatever reason he can't seem to figure out what Sari wants, um, and we, we we thought there was hope there because you know Sari kept saying, "Where well, I'm never going to play Higuain, Dybala, and Ronaldo together. It'll never work together." And he figures out, "Oh yeah, they do work together. Oh, they play brilliantly. Well, I should just play them from here on out." Um, Bernadeschi is. It seems like he's a guy who kind of like listened to all the hype and then kind of got lost in that and forgot to, to do what got him there, right? Uh, he, he certainly has the talent, the skill set and everything to to be not in this team, to be even in the on the Squadra Finora. However, you know, I think just getting too much in his head, that's got to be the, that's got to be it. it. I can't explain why he is being the, why he's playing so badly. It's it's got to be that He's listening to all the hype and not practicing as hard, and maybe practices will show it that um, while the talent is there and he, he does well for the Azuri at times, you know, when, come, when it comes game times, guys know what his main move is, and when you're not practicing, you know, other other things, when they figure you out, like Suzo, um, they can shut you out, and then you're 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 left for 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 nothing, right? And then you're stuck on the bench there with the rest of the, when, when the rest of your teammates are are celebrating it with goals, so. Um, yeah, it's 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 head scratching with Bernadeschi because there's so much talent with him and and with Piantic. You know, I, I hope it's not a flash in the pan because um, you, you hate like like Scott said, you hate to say, hate to hear that you spent 35 million and and you get a bust. Um, 
Qualiarella, if, if there's any if there's any glimmer of hope, Qualiarella, who had a fantastic season last year, uh, is not having that many goals this year. So, and we know that's not a flash in the pan. That guy just had a career of amazing, amazing seasons. So maybe it's just the fact that you know he's not getting the, the service that he needs. If you have a really good manager and and things change, we'll see. But at the moment, it does kind of look like a flash in the pan, unfortunately, and uh, kind of warranting his position on the table because I think all his, most of his goals, if not all of them, uh, have come from the kick spot from the penalty spot so that doesn't say much no it doesn't not at all so um so that's our uh, that's our crap on a cracker team i you know mario bellotelli like i said guys played his way out of this after scoring a couple goals recently here for brescia um i mean his appearance on the pitch for brescia was really correlating with their struggles uh but now he has scored a couple of goals and is you know, basically played his way out of it. And I think to his fortune, Piantic and Lasagna have been worse than him uh, so far this season. So that's why they get in over him. So, uh, you know, so that's something to consider. Um, but it's a it's an awful it's an awful team. And that's why we call it the crap on a cracker. So um, let's uh, let's let's have some positive energy here, guys. Uh, we, we need some here. It, and we have a guest on whose team won 4-1. And, and, and we're all like this, Richard. Ooh. I know, I know. Oh. Let's, let's get some good vibes going. Yeah. So, okay. So let's. Uh, we'll we'll be more in depth about these players, and we're going to start with our uh, goalkeeper of the half season, and we've chosen Samir Handanovic of Inter uh, as our goalkeeper of the season. I, you know, Scott, uh, we talk about Inter really being in this race. Handanovic has made a lot of key saves, and uh, the anchor to uh, the best defense in Serie A at the moment. Only 14 goals conceded through 17 games. Andanovic has a lot to do with that and, again, has come up with some key saves to help them uh, secure some critical points as they fight for a Scudetto. Yeah, and um, as I call him, Batman Batman Danovic. I think that's his nickname or into fans. Yeah, he's been sensational, especially with the, the back three in front of him um he's just tremendous and what he's done for inter uh, is it's nothing short of sensational and remember he's not the best goalkeeper for his national team no he's not that's no. jan, jan oblak mm-hmm. he's the best goalkeeper in the world there <laughs> he's the best goalkeeper in the world but yeah um all the credit to handanovic for what he's done into especially this season you just save after save after save you just look you look at the screen in astonishment and thinking how has he pulled that off and mm-hmm. he's, he's been doing it for a while now yep richard uh first uh your thoughts on Handanovic uh earning uh yet again because he was our uh, goalkeeper of the season last year too uh, but I think a couple guys that uh, deserve some honorable mention for me, uh, Luigi Seppe should be in this conversation. Should at least have been in this conversation and was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, another guy that I think uh, you know certainly deserves some consideration. Uh, that both both Rome both Rome goalkeepers uh, Lopez and Stracosia were certainly uh, in the discussion here. Ah, uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, both uh, Stracosia had a, a, a solid season. Is getting stronger at the moment. Um, Paul Lopez as well has been a revelation after the, mis- the misery that they suffered through Robin Olsen last year. Don't um, mind me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Batmanovic or whatever you want, whatever his nickname is uh, for Handanovic, uh, he's been Mister Consistency, right? And uh, it's someone that Inter 
when things do fail in, the, in their back line, he is there to rescue them. They do have the best goals against, but we how, how much have we talked this season about how the back three isn't quite clicking just right? And that the reason is because Handanovic is bailing them out. That's why they have the best goals against average. Um, the back three is not playing to their potential just yet, but Batmanovic but, but or Handanovic, however you want to call it, um, he steps up and he, he just comes up big when they need to. I mean, he doesn't get many opportunities because Inter controls most of the games they play in. But when he's needed there for the big saves, he comes up with the big saves, and he has so uh, all season long. And in particular, the last you know two three weeks, uh, he's made some really big saves, some key saves for Inter, and they would not be where they are without him uh, leading the way. Not only this season, but as you mentioned, Frank, in seasons past, he just always seems to be one of the top goalkeepers in the league, uh, year in and year out. Yeah, for sure. Um... Let's move on. Uh, our right back actually plays on the left-hand side for him, t- his team and actually plays as a left wing back, but we think he can do it on the right, and uh, we're going to go with Atalanta's Robin Gozens uh, for the squad if you know to Richard. Uh, you could have probably picked any one of these uh, wing backs for Atalanta for this spot because I think Hatabor has been good. I yeah. think Castan uh, has been good when called on. And I think also right back has not really been a – position of quality depth in Serie A, surprisingly. I mean, you go, if you look at Juventus, it's been Juan Cuadrado. Could we put him there? Maybe. Uh, but he's more of a winger um, that's just happening to be, happens to be playing right back, uh, you know, just out of necessity. But, you know, Gozens has been instrumental uh, and has taken a lot of pressure off of guys like Papu Gomez and Ilicic in terms of playmaking, crossing, and chance creating. Yeah, he certainly has. And, you know, a guy that we probably would have had a lot of hyped hopes for preseason would have been Lazzari with his move to Lazio. And it's only recently that he's starting to play well. But yeah. uh, Gossens has been playing really well all season long. And as you said, he's providing Ilicic and Gomez and other guys uh, not only the opportunity to do what they got to do you know, offensively by, you know, pulling the strings, but um, he gives them uh, defensive stability back there as well. And he has also comes up and he, he swings and crosses, takes in the shots, um, he is a very versatile player and, and probably someone who you would think more as a as a midfielder doing really well uh, as, a, as a wing back. So um, kudos to him for uh, being able to adjust his game and, and still be um, the type of player, the type of uh, product, production, I guess, that Gasparini looks for in his teams. And uh, he is absolutely deserving a spot on this uh, top 11. Scott, uh, Richard made reference to Lazzari. I I think that he's probably the second choice here. Uh, but, you know, a comment here about Gozins, and then if we would have just seen maybe a few more games than what we actually got out of Lazzari in terms of, you know, what he's done, especially over the last six weeks, he probably easily could have been in this spot, right? Yeah, I think um, with him, it's probably his end product. He's got all the speed, um, the attributes. He can beat a man. He's very good defensively, but it's just his end product. I think I've seen it a few times in the last last couple of games, especially against Juventus in the league game. Um, he he was getting into good positions, but his final ball was not the greatest. I think that's hindered him a little bit. But um, Robin Guzan has been um, sensational. He's one of um, Gasparini's disciples in that back five. Um, oh, he was sensational today. He was just tearing Conti apart. And um, mm-hmm. I think you might see a bit more from him. Um, if he can add a few more goals, it would be good to see. But he's, he's helping out in the wing-back role very well. And you might... I think you might see him a bit more in assists as well. And just uh, Kater Valencia's uh, 
defence apart in the Champions League game. That could be quite interesting to see. Very much so. Very much so. That's a great draw for Atalanta to play Valencia. Mm. But in Valencia, could could provide some problems. But I'll tell you what, couldn't be a ton of goals uh, over yes. those two games when they play against each other. Those are that, that you know they may not be the brand names that some of these other teams are in the round of sixteen. But you could see like six five on aggregate after two games uh, with those two teams involved. Um, all right, we're moving over to the center backs, and the first one we're going to mention uh, arrived at Roma via England. Chris Smalling makes the squadra finora. Uh, Scott doing it on both ends. I mean, Roma had to get better defensively. Um, Manolas and Fazio, Fanolas, as we affectionately called them, with Robin Olsen and goal, just wasn't working. Um, it all gets restructured. Paul Lopez in goal, we we kind of hinted about him. Um, and then uh, it's the partnership of uh, Smalling and Mancini that has made it effective. And, you know, they're still conceding a goal a game on average, but that is so much better than where they were at at this time last year. Chris Smalling plays a role in that, but then he also contributes on the other end, scoring on set pieces. He was a very easy choice for us to make this team. And just to think it was a move that was derided by some some of us, us Roma fans, thinking, what the hell? He's not done very well for Manchester United in the last couple of seasons. He's been a bit of a scapegoat with Phil Jones in their, in their, um, in their decline over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. But he's come over to Serie A and he's taken it like a duck to water. I remember his debut against Atalanta and he was the best player on the pitch. And him and Gianluca Mancini have got this brilliant partnership where they... I think he said in the interview that they just give each other a nod and they know what to do if you just go a bit to the left or a bit to the right. And um, he's been fantastic. And as you said, he's contributed in, in scoring a couple of goals. And us Roma fans have given him the nickname of Smaldini. Mm. <laughs> pump the brakes. Cover yours. Pump, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> We thought Piantic was the next Shevchenko, okay? And and how's that how's that turn? <laughs> I know. But um there is talk of him signing permanently. Um I think it'd be a great move for all parties, but I think the price may be a bit too high at the time being. Yeah, we'll 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 see uh we'll see. Hopefully Roma can pull that off because defensively defensively they've looked a lot better, Richard, and it's no secret because of Smalling's contributions. Yeah, he's really done uh, good, um, outstanding things really for the Roma defense, and uh, we hit, we hit, like you said, final loss uh, did not uh, kind of discredited uh, the, the things that it did the year before. So um, having having uh, Smalling back there is is a great thing, not only for for Roma but for the league. Uh, you really need to see a you know it's great to see both you know Lazio's having a great year right now and Roma is you know just a step behind them. It's great to see that uh, when when two teams from the same city who who despise each other are neck and neck in the race and both you know not only are does not only does Champions League Champions League look like a good output at the moment but the way these two teams are playing they're they may give the top two teams a run for their money. It's very close at the moment and uh, I can't wait till the next derby between these two teams because. Um, what Smalling brings defensively, they make in, they make Roma a a a uh, a team you want to fear because attack going when you try to attack them, you know it's going to be difficult with Smalling and Mancini back there, and so uh, Smalling has been a revelation really for this whole team, and offensively, like you said, he's just he's just contributing with goals and on set pieces, he just gets up there and gets the goals. So good for him too because 
And you know his confidence has to be low when he left Manchester United, and now it's kind of reinvigorated with Roma. And you, you kind of want to hope that he wants to sign a long-term deal with Roma and, and stay with them because he's having such great success there. Hopefully he's not one of those players who just says, oh, I'm, I'm doing well now. Let me go back to my, to my other team. We'll see, but um, uh, uh, here's hoping that he stays with them and, and keeps getting Roma moving on the upward trajectory. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, Richard, I'm going to stay with you on our other selection for central defender. It is Stefan de Vrij of Inter. Um, when Conti arrived and Inter went back to the three-man defense, the easiest transition for any of the players was going to be de Vrij because he had experience playing it in Simone Inzaghi's system at Lazio. Um, you would just have to adapt to the demands that Antonio Conte would have, and he's done that a steady defensive presence back there, but I think it's also his passing from deep positions too. And I think that that part of his game gets overlooked. Uh, we need a passer back there, uh, you know, to feed, you know, some of the attackers that we're going to have going forward. If we want to try to go route one. Uh, and I'm confident that DeVry is our guy for that situation, but I also like the defending that he brings to the table. So Stefan DeVry, uh, talk about him a little bit. Yeah, Lord knows we're not going to get uh, Bonucci in this uh, top <laughs> eleven here. So uh, not anymore, at least. Uh, yeah, no, Devry, his passing ability is 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 um, very very good, uh, especially for a defender. Uh, you could almost say that his passing at times can be as as good as some of the midfielders, really. And you need you need a player uh, in the defensive end who can distribute the ball across the pitch uh, wherever it needs to go. Uh, keep to facilitate and get the ball moving, especially when the midfielders are a little bit clogged up through uh, a lot of uh, offensive pressing. So uh, DeVry certainly does that. He's transitioned, like you said, the smoothest to this three-man back line. We all, you know, neutrals or whether you love them or hate Inter, everyone was salivating at the fact that this three-man back line now with Godin and Skriniar and DeVry was going to do so well. But obviously there was going to be some growing pains there. Uh, and then going to posi- going to a, a formation that you know Godin and Skriniar were not familiar with was always going to be um, a learning curve there. But as you mentioned, Devry kind of is used to this already, and so he kind of stepped in there smoothly. Him, you know, Handanovic has got to be thanking him for a lot of the things, not only from the passing end but also from defensively. Mm-hmm. He's he's back there and and cleaning up the shop when he when he can, um, and when he's not there, obviously Handanovic steps up. So. Um, it's totally fitting that an inter central central defender is right there in front of his inter goalie. So um, the rise of Mister Consistency for the back line. I mean, all three guys are quality guys, but at the moment that he's the he's the one consistent uh, defender back there. And once those other two guys get on board, look out! But they're already the best defense in the league. And uh, we, when you watch them, they don't look that great. Wait until they get on the same page. My goodness. And Scott, we almost put. Gianluca Mancini here uh, and made this a Roma center back pairing, which a year ago today I would have said you're nuts <laughs> if, if, if we would have done this. Um, but, you know, he's been just as good. I mean, let's talk about DeVry gets in over him this time. Um, but Mancini has been just as valuable to what Roma have done and the improvements that they've made defensively. You only need to look at that last Europa League game with Roma and the calamity that is Federico Fazio to know how important Gianluca Mancini is, uh, even though he partnered with Fazio back there um, in that game. I think he did. Um, he did, yeah. He did, yeah, okay. Um, so that the 
combination of, of Smalling, Mancini with Paul Lopez and goal is just night and day compared to what they've had over the last couple of years and is giving Rome a real reason to think, hey, we're a top four team again. We've got a legitimate shot at being back in the Champions League next season. We've got a defense we can rely on. Uh, you know, so we can talk about how close we came to making this a Roma center back pairing, but with the way I, I think that DeVry gets this, you know, for some of the qualities that I've lined out here, but also the fact that Inter have been the best defensive team in this league so far. Uh, but, you know, if you told me that th- at this this time last year that Roma would improve to a point where they're only conceding a goal per game, I would have said that's a significant improvement. So we need to recognize Mancini a little bit too. But talk about DeVry and then maybe talk about Mancini as, a, as an honorable mention. No, I'm um, really impressed with Devray, and as you guys said, he's he's come, um, he's more suited to the back three because he's played in it before. I think it was a steal went in to got him on a free transfer, and he played in that horror game for Lazio a couple of years ago. Um, the only, I think, the problems that Inter have had this season are probably with Diego Godin playing on the right side. I think he struggled a little, bit, a little bit more to adapt to Italian football after spending probably 10, 12 years playing Spanish football for mm. Atletico and Villarreal. And it's taken them a little bit longer. So you've had you've had uh, D'Ambrosio and um, Bastoni play there. But you can see the partnership now with Skriniar and De Vrij as two of the centre-backs in the three is working well. And De Vrij has been one of uh, probably the top five centre-backs in Serie A over the last couple of seasons and um, he game after game that I've seen for Inter he, he doesn't disappoint and he's he's the middle of that back three and he's in that position for, for a reason and on Gianluca Mancini I, in my eyes he's the bastard in that centre-back pairing you need one of them in your um, oh, yeah. in your, in your back four he's, he, he doesn't mind to get stuck in I've seen him have some run-ins with some players I'm, I remember him and Nangalan had a bit of a tete-a-tete uh, when we played Calorie back here at the end uh, at the beginning of October and he's not afraid to get stuck in um, um, a few games this season he's had to play in defensive midfield when Roma had that horrible injury um Problems, and he had to play with Jordan Veritude in the defensive midfield role when Diawara was out for a month, and he slotted him so nicely in there. The only problem with for me for him is that his disciplinary record's not great. He's already picked up, I think it's five or maybe six yellow cards this season, and if he just can temper on that, he'll he'll be a an, a, a world class defender. Um, I think Roma have got. A, I think it's 15 million on him in the summer. And if that, that's an absolute steal. Yep. Indeed. Um, so it's uh, a, a lot. We came really close to making this a Roma combination at center back, but uh, De Vrij, um gets in over them. I mean, uh, we're in a world where we have a squadra finora and our center backs aren't Chiellini and Koulibaly. I think that's a first. Or at wow, least at least yeah. one one or both of them, you know, been yeah, the first, so probably the first true. time we've done this without at least one of them being in it. So that's yeah. that's that's Amazing. how that's how the league has shifted this year. I mean, obviously the Chiellini injury and you know and, and Koulibaly has been good, um, not maybe to what we demand of him, uh, but uh, but certainly we recognize Smalling and Devry as our center backs in this team. Left back, uh, we went with Teo Hernandez of AC Milan. Um, and Scott, I'll start with you because I know how Richard feels about the guy. I know how I feel about the guy. <laughs> um, 
And you only need to watch that calamity against Atalanta to realize yeah. that he was sorely missed out there. But without his contributions, without him charging forward, without him scoring the goals, you were talking about a Milan that's in 15th or 16th right now. Yeah, completely agree. Um, is it safe to say he's been AC Milan's best player this season so far? By a mile. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And he's he's been one of their best signings as well. Um, he has a bit of dynamism, a bit of directness at left back, which was so much sorely missed today when you had to take off Ricardo Rodriguez, who is half the player of Teo Hernandez, and you had to uh, put Davide Calabria at left back. And look how many goals he um, was at fault for. He was sorely missed today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, Richard... We- we, we, we've talked about this at length. Teo Hernandez has been the, I, I think he really has been the best left back in this league. If you don't bring up the Atalanta wingbacks, um, you know, as we've already discussed, you could make a case for Kolarov and what he contributes in terms of scoring goals, uh, in terms of what he does on set piece duty for Roma. Uh, he's certainly in the conversation. Um, Alexandro has turned in some good games for Juventus. Um, I think this comes down to who's been most important for their team overall. Um, and it's been Teo Hernandez. He has been the uh, the spark plug for AC Milan. I mean, really, if it wasn't for his contributions, like you said, they could be in 15th or 16th place. Um, he he's he's provided an instant impact compared to what Ricardo Rodriguez brought to the table or brings to the table, I should say. Um, he's direct. He's always. I mean, he has. A, he has. Seems like he has an engine on him that he can run for 90 minutes. Running, marauding down that pitch, you know, contributing on the offensive end. He's one of the one of the one of the main, most consistent guys who are in the box shooting on goal. And he's a left back, and then he he's he's a, he's a substantial upgrade defensively than Ricardo Rodriguez as well. But really, if it wasn't for the way Teo Hernandez has been playing for AC Milan this year, Milan would be in relegation battle, honestly. And he has been. The sole reason, the main catalyst for them, obviously Donnarumma has had a, a good season as well, but I think Teo Hernandez is the sole reason why they are in the position that they are and because he's contributing with goals, he's contributing with assists, he's been a nuisance to teams at times, and he just consistently drives at opponents. Um, he's had the most impact from that left-back position, I think, um, from a team standpoint more than anybody else. Yes, Sandro's had a great season, the Atalanta guys, um, you can maybe talk about even uh, some of the inter guys as well, but uh, Teo Hernandez has had the most impact, the greatest impact out of any left back in the league this year, I think. Yep. Indeed, I agree 100%. Let's move into the midfield, and we're going to go to Cagliari's Raja Nainggolan. Um, I mean, amazing story for him to have a homecoming in Cagliari, uh, first of all, Richard. Um, we all know the story uh, with his... Yeah with his wife, uh, uh, reco- you know, and, and her recovery and her battles. Um, but he has been a spark plug for this Calgary team, has been a big part of Calgary's success and why they're sitting in sixth. Might have the goal of the season, uh, or, you know, at least uh, one of the goals of the season uh, to his name this season. Uh, but really driving this team, a nice connection between uh, midfield and attack, uh, from his midfield position, and certainly, uh, you know, a Cagliari player had to be in it. We were wrestling around with this one. Uh, we went with nine Galan. I don't regret it, and I'm sure you don't either. No, yeah, I mean, he to me hit the goal, the goal of the season so far. Uh, his his stunning volley that he had. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's having a really fantastic resurgence of a career with them. Uh, you know, 
He had he, he made his name really at Cagliari before he went to went to Roma and became one of the you know world class type player. Um, then went to Inter, had a setback obviously, but you know obviously going back home now to to Sardinia. Um, it obviously means a lot to him to be you know, a familiar place and a place that that's, that's best for his wife. So um, he's obviously playing so well, and you know, luckily for him, uh, Maran has a lot of guys around him that um, are are talented. Galliers is much more talented now than they were a couple of years ago. So um, Nyangalan is a big reason for that. He is this, you know, being the, the the general in the midfield, leading them offensively and defensively. Um, he's being a um, a leader that you really need for Cali, and that's, he's a main, re- a big reason why uh, they are so high up on the table, you know, compared to how they have been in the past. And um, it's it's his goals, his assists, his leadership overall. Um, and you cannot um, numbers can't put into can put the fact that how 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 well he's playing for them. And um, some of Cali had to make it, and he's probably the the talisman for them at the moment, and uh, easily the the pick for for all of us. Scott, it's it's nine galan in this spot. Are we being a little bit harsh on Papu Gomez, uh, who was in consideration? Um, spoiler alert: We don't pick Papu Gomez for this team this time around because maybe we've gotten used to Papu Gomez doing these things that he does for Atalanta, um, and that you know what nine galan is it? Is it an issue of nine galan certainly being more important to Cagliari than Papu Gomez to Atalanta because Gomez, well, he's been amazing. Uh, there's Ilicic, there's Gozens, as we talked about, and some of the other players around him. Yeah, um, uh, Papu Gomez is just a cog on the wheel. He's a, um, a, an important player within important players at Atalanta. As you said, he's one of probably five, six important players where Nainggolan is probably the focal point into that formation that they play. He's at the tip of the diamonds, and he is the driving force in that midfield and he is um, such important way in the way they play. He spearheads the attack and plays it along to Jao Pedro or, or Simeone and he contributes so much to that team. He contributes with drive, energy, passion and probably two of the goals of the seasons that he scored so far. And it's such a, a lovely sentimental story that he's he's had this season with his love affair back at Calorie. And he's rediscovered his form after probably a stodgy last 18 months. His last six months at Roma were, um, to say, very disciplinary problems, struggled with Di Francesco's system and then uh, into where it didn't work out for him. And now he's in the renaissance of his of his career. Indeed, indeed. And uh, deserving of this, deserving of this place in the team. Uh, the other two midfielders we've got to announce together just because I think that they've, and we talked about them earlier in the podcast, they correlate with Lazio's success um, and that is Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and Luis Alberto. They round out our midfield here in the squad that if you know it, uh, only makes sense to talk about them together, Scott, uh, because of what they have meant to Lazio's uh, run uh, to be the third team in the Scudetto race discussion to win a Supercopa. Um, <clears throat> they were conspicuous by their lack of form last season uh, and Lazio finishing eighth. And now you see them turn it up. Uh, and playing at a high level again. And Lazio uh, can beat anybody and have shown they can beat anybody in this league. Um, <clears throat> just uh, I, I can't just talk about them individually. I think it's I think it's just it does justice to talk about them together. 
the deadly should we just call them the deadly duo yeah sure we can do yeah. that yeah the deadly duo um yeah they um as we we spoke earlier they're so important to the Lazio midfield um and so like Luis Alberto's stats this season are just outstanding he's he's contributed like he's 12 assists and three goals in 16 games so he's been a part of 15 goals this season and we've seen him when he was at Liverpool what I did in the Premier League and he, did, he didn't fit Brendan Rodgers and he's come to to Italy and he's, he's just been sensational in the last six months and along with SMS I remember two three years ago I remember just speaking to Richard about this I remember clubs clamouring for him for like 80 90 million and then he had that drop off point and I think he's regained that form this season and these two are the driving force along with Lucas Leiva and they're, they're in very important three in that Lazio um five in midfield and the driving force for for Chiro Mobley and Joaquin Correa up top and they just feed them to and they spread the goals around as well yeah and, and with regard to SMS and the you know the, the clubs clamoring from I think a lot of that I think his dip last year had a lot to do with a lot of that yeah you know, I had made a lot of comments at the beginning of last year on this podcast that <clears throat> this looks like a guy that looks like he's asking, why am I still here? You know, uh, you know, looked very, very unsettled, especially in the early part of last season. Uh, and now it looks like things are sorted. He knows he's a Lazio player and he's going with it. And you got to remember, he's only like in the neighborhood of what, 22 years old. I mean, this is a young player being talked about for big moves and big money. And as fans, we can conveniently leave out the psychological impact that that can have on a player so young. So, um, you know, and if mentally that can frazzle them a little bit, uh, you know, and I think that a little bit of that went on, but now I think he's kind of got it back together. He's got it sorted and, and certainly looks much more committed. And for Lazio's sake, Richard, that's important as far as SMS is concerned, but then you've got Luis Alberto back to being the creator that he was two seasons ago. He was our player of the season two seasons ago. Uh, and they're back on that form and a big, and like in as Scott, touched on as i've touched on big part of why lazio are a thing in this scudetto discussion yeah they should be mentioned together because they're they're almost like twins right they both their performances match each other when they're both good they're both really good and when they're both bad they're both you know so you can't have one player do what better than the other it seemed to be feeding off each other they you know we talk about how they are the lifeline of lazio they really uh the reason lazio are doing so well but they're really the, the reason each other is doing well. They kind of feed off each other. Uh, as twins do, they seem to read each other telepathically, and they know all they got to do is like just have a glance over at each other, and they know what to do. That one goal that Luis Alberto assisted over the top to uh, SMS on that touch and the goal against Juventus. I mean, what a play there. And, <clears throat> and they just obviously know each other so well, and um, they should be almost like the uh, the deadly deadly twins or whatever, deadly duo twins. They they. They read each other so well, and as one as one plays, the other one plays just the same. So, um, good for them. Whatever Inzaghi did to kind of figure out to get them get them back on the on the right page. Uh, kudos to him because we you know both players were struggling last year mightily. Whether it's because of the hype, because of the extra attention from other teams, they're trying to to sign them. I don't know, but any team going forward that wants to sign them, just sign both of them, not just one of them, because obviously uh, they need each other to uh, to do well. Yep. Indeed, indeed. So that's our midfield. That's our three-man midfield. I think um, some other honorable mentions here. We talked about guys. Miralem Pjanic for Juventus, uh, I think is worth mentioning. 
Um, <clears throat> he's been a constant in that midfield uh, for the Bianconeri. He's had some, you know, d- different faces having to play to each side of him in, in Saudi's system. Uh, but I think he's been pretty steady. Uh, and then uh, Nordin Amrabat has, has been pretty impressive as well. Um, so uh, spare a thought about those guys. Uh, Scott, you first. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going on Amrabat. Um, I was very impressed when he against Roma. He actually um, made Jordan Veritude, who's been one of Roma's best midfielders this season, look very sluggish and just dominated him. And you can see why Napoli um, rumours of him him going there for like 12 to 15 million I think Hellas have got a loan deal to the end of the season and they're like I think it may be 10 million they have to pay for him he's on loan from Club Bruges in Belgium Pjanic um, I was a fan I I didn't really like the way he left to go to uh, to Juventus he's a class player uh, but for me, he always is in the referee's ear. I think he will be a referee when he when he finishes playing. But he's still, <laughs> like, he's always there, moaning, moaning, moaning. Class player it, in the um, the hub of the Juventus midfield makes everything tick. But he will be a referee when he finishes playing. I think he will take that up. That is a bit of a nuisance about him, though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, just the constant getting in the ear of the, you you wish they you wish he'd stop that. So, Richard Amrabat, uh, Pjanic, thoughts on them uh, just falling short? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't add much more on Amrabat than what Scott said. I mean, he's 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 on point exactly what on on on, on the player, uh, Pjanic. For me, honestly, um, he is he's the driving force of, of Juventus midfield and Juventus in general and. When he plays well, the rest of the team, uh, you know, feeds off of that. Uh, you know, in in my opinion, he's the one who should be, you know, leading these penalty or these free kick situations. Him and DiBala, because both of them are so deadly on the on the set pieces. Um, but it's not only the set pieces; it's it's you know, uh, positionally, defensively, able to you know snuff out some um, passes the opposite is trying to do, then take it from take it from the fence and 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 lead link up to the attack and and find the pass whether it's a short or long one. Um, you know, A to B or, or or lofted over a bunch of players. This guy has all the tools that you would want a, a midfielder to have, a maestro to have. And um, you know, it wasn't so long ago that they had a maestro themselves, Andrea Pirlo. While he's not Pirlo, but this guy is very, very good. Pjanic could be a starter on probably every team in the league, and uh, it's good reason for it too. He's just a special player, and um, yeah, he's he's. No doubt, an honorable mention, if not, you know, on the eleven. So uh, consistent, Mister Consistent, as is Handanovic, right? You mentioned Pirlo. Uh, shameless promo. We're going to be picking a Serie A sit down team of the decade in our next podcast. Uh, spoiler alert: Pirlo's in it. <laughs> so, right, Richard? But, what, but from which team? <laughs> <laughs> so, unless uh, you were, you were quiet, and I was sitting there thinking, you're not disagreeing with me on this, are you? So, but no, no, he's on, um, he's on the team. Okay, uh, so we will uh, we will we'll have that uh, in the following week. But anyway, uh, as we're handing out awards, let's keep this moving. Man, we have been going crazy long here, uh, but that's what happens when you get in a good conversation about Calcio. I want to talk about our 12th man first guy in as a substitute before we get to the rest of the forwards because this is the one that we spent the most time talking about, and he's a guy that we're proud that we got to first as far as touting him. Um, all the way back to, I think we can go back to match week three, Richard, was the first time we brought him up. Um, uh, the, the podcast from match week three. I think that's his 
that's the earliest we started talking about him. But anyway, uh, Dejan Kulishevsky of Parma would be our first guy in off the substitutes bench. Uh, he does not make this squad, if you know that. He just barely, barely misses out. It was actually kind of heart-wrenching for all of us to to, to leave him out. But my, you know, uh, Richard Kulishevsky just barely misses out. Uh, a guy that we have been touting before everyone else, and now everyone, you know, they 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 catch on because we're that's what we do. We try to get to, <laughs> we try to, we try to find the guys before everybody else does. And this was one we were on right away. And uh, young player, Swedish international. Um, I mean, what stuns me about him is for his age how composed he is uh, with the ball, uh, and in a, a big part of Parma's early se- you know uh, first half of the season success. We drink and we know things. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 true about Kulusevski. Uh, just uh, there's the impact he's had on Parma. He's really turned. It, it was a two-man show between uh, Gervinho and Inglés, and now you got um, Kulusevski in the mix, who adds another element, another dynamic speed element that that um, uh, Gervinho brings. And then uh, obviously they have Cornelius Cornelius in the mix as well. Uh, Kulusevski is he's probably the the young player of the midseason, you know, so far. Um, just the impact he's had both you know, on goals and assists. Uh, he can do it, seems like, two-footed. He can play on the other side of the pitch. It, it's really his manager allows him the freedom to go wherever he needs to go to get things done. Uh, and so many times when, when Parma score, or score big goals, especially late in games, hey, lo and behold, uh, Kulosevsky is involved. So um, great, great, great by the scouting department to find his, find his young Swede. Um, and he's been recently called up to the Swedish national team. So um, hopefully this, this player continues to build on, on, on what he's done thus far this season. I don't foresee him being in, in Parma much longer, but um, so that's what happens when you are very, very good at a young age at a small club. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, he's, he's certainly an honorable mention uh, with some of the goals and assists and just all-around play this season thus far. Scott Kulishevsky, just – He's our twelfth guy. Yeah, we got We had to bring him up. Yeah, super sub. The, the, the Mister Dependable you can bring off the bench, and he could um, cut a defense open with his pace or his his passing, on, and score from long range. Um, I've been impressed with him probably for the last couple of months. Um, I watched the game. Uh, it was Monday morning here in the UK, so yesterday uh, in uh, against uh, Brescia. He looked, he looked absolutely knackered and then he pulls that out, a rabbit out of the hat and swings a wonderful cross into Grazzi to head home. He's just been sensational. And to think he's only he's on loan from Atalanta and there's, there's clubs willing to pay 35, 40 million euros for him. Sensational. He's, he's going to hit it big time. Can you imagine if Atalanta decides not to sell him and wants to use him next uh, season? Oh uh, my dear lord! Yeah, we're, we're we're us other clubs are in for a, a dangerous time. Yep. Yeah, we are. <laughs> that that front three is going to be just unbearable. Him, Papu, Ilicic, Muriel, Zapata. Oh God, pray for us all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, indeed. Uh, the guy that he barely loses out to as we get back to the guys that made it, and this is where we ended tonight, and, and he's in it, not because of brand name, but because he has turned up with the goals here over the last several weeks and is trying to work his back his way back into the Capo Caninieri discussion. Cristiano Ronaldo makes the squad de Finora. 
Uh, and it, 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 Scott, it really came down to the run of goals he's been scoring lately for Juve that just gets his nose into this team over Kulishevsky. Yeah, just to think, if he didn't start scoring probably about three, four weeks ago, we would be talking about uh, Kulishevsky in as the front in as one of the wings in the front three. Um, I got a tweet of someone saying, "Is Ronaldo has been?" I was thinking he hasn't been playing well. But you still think he can still deliver. And then he scored against Leverkusen. And ever since then, he's just thought, F it. I, I need to contribute to this team. And then he's just been on this scoring form. And just look at a goal he scored midweek. It's sensational. I know he's yep. having all these problems off the pitch. I'm not going to say anything. I don't know how your lawyers, lawyers would say if I say something <laughs> on other podcasts we don't talk about it um, I'm, I t- I'm on a podcast with someone who's, who does not like him at the moment so off the field he's got some problems but on the pitch in the last four to five weeks he's proven why he's one of the, the top two greatest footballers of our generation absolutely uh, Richard Ronaldo uh, again I've heard of the guy goals over guy. goals over Goals are uh, goals over brand name. We're not, we're not, you know, and 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 I don't know. I don't think we had him in last year. Um, we did not. So he had to step up and prove it. I think we have a higher standard for him. Um, I mean, but he's going to come over with the pedigree and and what he's done. He's got to earn his way onto this team. He just can't get in here on uh, on brand name alone. And over the last several weeks, he's proven that. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, Syria shows what another reason why they show they're a joke. They gave him Player of the Year um, <laughs> for what? I don't know what he did. He didn't do it brand name alone because he sold a bunch of shit. Whoop de do. Um, Who named him Player of the Year? Syria. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you said Syria show. Like, I was like, oh gosh, no, I, we we no. oh, we're no, no. friends. They're with smarter them. than that. Don't yeah, no, don't don't they, don't start alienating people from us. <laughs> no, no, the league, the league did that. Okay, um, that's why he missed the Ballon d'Or uh, ceremony because he was getting his Serie A award. So, but based on what he did, nothing last year. Obviously, he wasn't in our on our top eleven last year. That's obviously the the the, the top of the rate scale there that you want to go by, right? Where where the we make that we make the the bar, right? We set the bar. So um, he didn't he did nothing really. You know, he had a good season, didn't have a great season. Uh, but this year he's stepped it up. Uh, uh, really, ever since the whole knee debacle situation, where you know he got subbed off and his, his leg was hurting, ever since then he went on a tear. And he's like, you know what, I can do it with one leg. I don't care. So if he can jump that high with one leg, a good lord, when he has both legs uh, healthy, how high can he jump? Right? Um, he fully deserves it. Um, he just uh, he's doing it when it, when it matters. He's he's been clutch for any team he plays on. Uh, for Juventus, for Portugal, whomever, uh, he seems to get the the goals right, and especially as of late. I mean, that goal midweek. I mean, what a ridiculous goal that was! And uh, he's been just doing that in the last you know month or so uh, in both Champions League and 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 then uh, Serie A. So fully warranted, not on brand. It's based on performance, and his performances are getting it done. I think I believe that was his tenth goal of the season on Wednesday. So he's in the mix for Capocannieri runner-up. Uh, so <laughs> I'll just believe it at that. Romelu Lukaku is our next forward, Richard. Uh, 12 goals for Inter. Uh, what an impact he's made. I mean, it's hard to talk about Lukaku without talking about Lautaro Martinez, who yeah. we almost, you know, we, we, we were deciding which of these Inter strikers get into this team. We're gonna just going to go with the guy that has more goals. 
Yeah, really, both players are feeding off each other. A little bromance going on with between these two, um, and justifiably so. They're both uh, the way they're performing on the pitch against each other. They look like they've been playing together for years. They just read each other so well. They they're perfect complement to each other as well. You know, one player can hold the ball up, and the other one makes these fantastic runs. And they both can pass. They both can shoot. You had to choose one. We couldn't. Cho- we tried to choose both, but there was there was a player we could not leave off. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him. Um, yeah, it's uh, Lukaku getting 12 goals, first time in the league, first or first season in the league. Uh, he's doing quite well, not only in Conte's system, but you know, linking up very well with Arturo. Uh, Lukaku is just um, playing. He's he's worth 85 million that they spent already. It seems like, yeah, they didn't do so well in Champions League, but in the league, he is doing fantastic things, scoring great goals, and he's being a great team player. He's saying the right things. He's stepping up and saying shit when Syria doesn't say shit on racism. Uh, and then the, the the gesture he made today uh, to let Esposito take that that, that penalty goal um, and get his first goal in Syria. What a what a classy gesture by him. Uh, he he is a, he is a truly is a nice guy, a guy who, who speaks many languages. I'm always fond of those people. Uh, that 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 aside, uh, his his performances for Inter and his goals are have been a high high standard that. Um, many, many forwards kind of wish they could be at that level that he's at right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Scott, you know, strikers come over from another league and they come to Serie A and largely they struggle. Uh, Lukaku's dispelling that myth. Yeah, he is. He's um, he's adapted to the league very, very well. And I think he's the the cog of Conte's system. He wanted a, 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 like a target man, little man up. Front. He's wanted that up front for a while. He had that at Juventus with, uh, was it Lorente and Tevez? And yep. they fed off each other well. And I think the two that they have now, and just to think, 75 million, and it's what is Manchester United's loss is now Inter's gain. And to think that everyone was calling him fat over here in the UK when he was posting stuff on social media. He's ripped, and then Inter found that he had a digestive problem, so they sorted that out and put him on a a weight loss program, and he's absolutely shredded, and he's been brilliant for them this season. Twelve goals, just settled in wonderfully. He odd, he has the what I like to say. He has his uh, the little Kaku moments where he does fluff his lines a little bit, but. He's been brilliant, and the, as Richard says, the way he's handled the racism against Calorie, um, he's handled it very well, and I think you'll see a lot more of Lukaku banging in the goals in 2020. For sure, for sure. Um, so finally, we got the last spot. Um, I mean, with all due respect, we have some we had some great strikers and great performances to pick from. We talked about Lautaro, João Pedro of Calorie is having a very nice season. Luis Muriel has taken. Very, very nicely to Atalanta. Hard not to with all of the quality behind you setting you up. Um, but our uh, our final forward is obviously the Capo Cananieri leader. My pick for Capo Cananieri way back in August. I think everybody's tired of me reminding them of that. Uh, but Ciro Immobile rounds out our squadra finora. Scott, you know, we have the midfielders, obviously, who correlate with Lazio's run of success. Uh, but... It also helps Lazio a lot when Ciro Immobile is among the goals and he's among a lot of them. Yeah, you need the guy to finish the uh, the opportunities. He needs the guy who does it. He links so well with Joaquin Carrera up front and then Philippe yeah. Quesado comes into the side as well as, as if they go two up top or with Carrera just behind. 
he's so instinctive and what he's done, he's just scoring goals for fun and he's gone on those like a tear. He goes, he's a very streaky striker. I listened to um, the Totally Football Show and James Richardson says he reminds me of Pippo, reminds him of Pippo and Zaghi and I'm thinking, really? Inzaghi could never finish foot, play football <laughs> but he was just there to score goals and I think Immobile is a lot more than that. He contributes a lot more and bar the two seasons he had where he failed miserably at Dortmund and in Seville since his return back to Italy he's been fantastic and I'm with Frank I think he's he's, he's up there and I think he'll probably win it by a country mile he'll be Serie A top goal scorer this season yep yep indeed uh Richard Immobile and I mean enough said we've been just we've been gushing over him the entire season yeah, he's just uh, done great things at a at a, a breakneck pace. Really, the amount of goals he's scoring, he's up there in 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 in, uh, in numbers with the best in Europe, really, and in, in per game average. So uh, it just seems every game, you know, big or small, he shows up. He scores goals for them, and if he doesn't score goals, he's contributing with assists. Um, it, it is hands down the easiest pick we made in, in this team was Immobile. Um, he could probably be the captain, really, with, with with the performances he's made, the goals he's scored. You know, and you were talking about you know some of the players on this team like Caicedo. He could probably be super sub of the, of the season. And uh, who's the manager? We know Montella is the manager of the of the crap and a cracker eleven. And Zaghi could be the manager of this team. That's how how well their team is playing. But going back to Immobile. You you had those two stalwarts in the middle, SMS and Luis Alberto, feeding him the ball, and he knows what to do with. The, he know he he has the poacher's instinct, but he can also play around. Uh, he can get on the wings and, and and pass it in. This guy is very versatile. He's not just an out and out striker, and what you that's what you love to see. And there's a reason why he gets uh, the nod over Belotti and the and with the Azzurri because he has that little bit more um, versatility to him. The more he can he's a, he can do a little bit more things than Belotti at the moment. And he's definitely far more informed than he than Belotti. Yep. Yes, indeed. So, our squadra finora, just to wrap it up, in goal, Samir Handanovic of Inter, uh, defense of Robin Gosens of Atalanta, Chris Smalling of Roma, Stefan de Rai of Inter, Teo Hernandez of AC Milan, midfield, Luis Alberto of Lazio, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic of Lazio, Rajan Nainwulan of Cagliari, uh, and then up front, Cristiano Ronaldo of Juventus, Ciro Immobile of Lazio, and Romelu Lukaku of Inter. That is your squadra finora. I'll just rip off what the bench would look like, uh, and it would look like this: a seven-man substitute bench. Substitutes bench, excuse me. Uh, Dejan Kulishevsky of Parma, Lautaro Martinez of Inter, Joao Pedro of Cagliari. Papu Gomez of Atalanta, Miralem Pjanic of Juventus, Gianluca Mancini of Roma, and how about Luigi Seppe as our backup goalkeeper? Yeah, I'm all for that. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Luigi Seppe as our backup goalkeeper. So that's our substitutes bench as far as guys that we're getting close. Also honorable mentions to guys like Luis Muriel, uh, Sofian Amrabat, um, Alexandro uh, there were plenty of players, plenty of good performances in the first half, getting us excited for the second half. Pity we're going to have to wait a couple of weeks. So uh, with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Uh, Scott, uh, where can the people find you on uh, social media and then anything uh, anything you're going to be up to uh, over the holidays? 
uh, a lot of eating food, uh, enjoying the Christmas <laughs> Christmas holidays. Amen, amen. Enjoying some panettone, which I might have to buy some more on Tuesday after work. Um, <laughs> some cheap panettone. Yeah, you can follow me at Scott underscore Munro. Scott is with one T and Munro is M-U-N-R-O-E. Um, I'm on the podcast of Man on a Post, so I do the extra time shows on Friday with Chris and the gang. Um, so you can follow the guys at, at Man on the Post. Um, I'll be doing some probably some writing soon. I've got to get back into the blogging, so I will post some links up probably maybe over Christmas and sometime in the new year. Wonderful, wonderful. And then, Richard, how about you? Yeah, um, for, first I want to say uh, thanks to Scott. Uh, please give Scott a follow, follow Man on the Post podcast. Uh, fantastic group of guys. Chris is okay. No, I'm just kidding. I love Chris too. So, a great group of guys there. So, give him a follow as well. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at R underscore K H A R M A N. I'm at FTC underscore 21. Seria, sit down. We have our own page uh, on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere. Uh, podcasts are played. Uh, us sit down on YouTube. Check out uh, the videos. Uh, check out the uh, video that Richard did on Tiago Mota's Genoa before that uh, becomes uh, archaic once Tiago Mota is sacked. <laughs> like Jim Paulo? Like Jim Paulo? Yep. <laughs> so. well, when he's sacked in about eight hours' time and replaced by someone who really shouldn't he be replaced by. Yeah, I'll have a new video for them too. No, <laughs> yep, we'll come out with that. So, I think you're starting to have this Black Widow effect on managers and talking about the. You, you start putting videos up about their tactics, and then they get sacked. I think the, I should do uh, sorry next, and then uh, there you Conte, go. Right, opposing managers. <laughs> yeah, didn't you do? I thought you did Conte. Didn't you do Conte? I did. I did you both did. of them. I did both of them. Opposing <laughs> managers are watching your video, and they're just countering what. <laughs> What what they're just they're just going they're just countering what you're saying and that's why hey, they're Fonseca's getting... Fonseca's another one I did that oh, he's doing really well right now for them so uh, you know those three at least are are flourishing while the rest uh, get dismembered perfect <laughs> so um, but uh, you can uh, you can check out uh, the YouTube videos there um, over on our YouTube page uh, do give us a, a like. Uh, on the videos uh, do a, uh, do subscribe as well uh, that helps us out big time. Richard, we're going to pick a a Serie A team of the decade next week. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun one. I'll get to hear the contributions from the from the from the, the fans, and we'll see uh, who we pick. It's going to be awfully difficult. It's difficult to pick just from you know one team, but picking from all the teams in the league that have played in that ten year span, it'll be interesting. Um, I got I got some couple guys already on the top of my mind that did well, but we'll see. Uh, when the time comes, it'll be awfully hard to pick. I've got four. I've got four locked in already. Um, and I think I, manager is pretty, pretty, pretty secure. I think it's Allegri, right? Yes. Yeah. Can I make a suggestion for you guys? If a, a player who wore number sixteen, who's now playing in Argentina, is not in your side, I'll probably have some words with both of you. Okay. He's in. <laughs> he's in consideration. That's all right. That's okay. I've heard of him before. Is, 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 him before. Is, is, I, I didn't know Andrea Poli was playing in Argentina, though. <laughs> God, do not <laughs> do any compromisation with him. Comparing with him. There'll probably be a number 10 involved there somewhere. Ah, good. <laughs> a number 10 might find his way in there for sure. I agree yes. with Richard. So, yeah, but yeah. I've got I've got four uh, that I that I'm. I've got four that are locks for me, but it'll be interesting to see what we end up concluding. So, yeah. 
Um, I thought I thought team of the year or team of the half season was quite hard, but team of the decade is probably probably ten times ten times yeah. harder. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, I, you know because I've 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 you know some of the guys that I haven't looked at I've you know I've 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 found reasons not to. I know Goal.com did one. I, I disagree with some of their picks. I think we will definitely be different from them. Um, but, uh, you know, I think some other guys are starting to come out with some stuff, so it'll be interesting to see what everybody thinks, uh, but we'll have our own for sure. So, so anyway, um, you know, I, I know it's Danielle that I don't see, but <laughs> he's in consideration. I, I'll tell you this. He's not a lock, but he's in, he's in consideration. Oh, that's, fine. that's fine. As long as he gets an honorable mention, it's all good. Yep. For there sure. You go. So. All right, uh, you, I'm not even going to reveal the locks. People are just going to have to listen to when the to when we roll that one out. I I, exactly. I, I spoiled one already, Pirlo, but you're going to have to figure out who the other ones are. So, um, other than that, Scott, thank you very much. Glad we were finally able to get one in together. So, yeah, likewise. It's been a couple of years. I think we've dodged the bullet maybe three or four times, but thank you for having me. Yep, no problem. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us again, and uh, uh, let's do it again soon, man. Yeah, that's. And uh, I want to wish everyone out there a Merry Christmas, uh, a happy holiday, uh, whatever it is that you're going to be celebrating here in the coming days. Uh, Hopefully you'll get a chance to uh, wind down a little bit, spend time with uh, people that you love, um, maybe people that you don't like, uh, depending on how the family (laughs) functions are set up. Um, Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, enjoy them, enjoy them responsibly. Uh, and, uh, thank you, uh, for your continued listenership here on Serie A sit down, uh, for Scott, for Richard, I'm Frank and make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Happy Festivus.